0: Every
1: number one for ready to in the press. Every number one
0: for the Oria Jowl. Every number one for ready to the press.
1: Every number one for ready in the press. Every number one for the press. Every number one for eighty three to in the press. Every number one in the press. Wow. 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 Four of a good chart these days is hard to find, so please be gentle with this chart analysis of mine. Tom, is that what we're calling this thing? <laughs> well, according to
2: Fergal Sharky, definitely. Exactly. Probably forgotten, but, you know.
1: So that might make no sense to anybody <laughs> at all, um, but it will later, it will Sure. play in later on in the episode and people will be like, ah... I see now what they've done with that title. It makes sense. It is the lyrics from one of the songs. Which song? You'll have to find out, won't you? Wait and see. Um, So, yeah, 1986. We're up to 86, um, which is a good year. Um, I guess um, something happened in that. I don't know. Something. Commonwealth Games somewhere, probably. I don't know. Can't say. But, yeah, all good. All good, yeah.
2: I was thinking about that the other day should we do should we have a, like a quick round up of what's going on in the world at the start yeah do I, people really need just me reading stuff off wikipedia about what was happening in 1986
1: that's true yeah but i think it would provide some context because i think My. you're absolutely right if people were like this song is fucking garbage why was it a number one song but then they might say ah there was absolutely no other culture <laughs> nothing else <laughs> happened in that year of relevance in any field i can understand that Whereas perhaps people go, oh, that's a really good song. Music was really sort of taking off this year. I can understand, you mm. know, you know, people enjoy that. So yeah, perhaps um, food for thought. Um, we can always edit that into previous episodes <laughs> before true. they go to air. Just yeah, you're right. Reading off some some dot points about um, America's Cup in '83. Some, right. Something else, Olympics, <laughs> some stage. Two years some...
2: before the bicentennial, that's all I can That's mean. true,
1: absolutely, and there'll be so much to talk about then, <laughs> obviously, so that's good. So yeah, 86, um, look, kicking it off, January 6th uh, for two more weeks was Midnight Oil's Species Deceases
2: EP that we spoke about last week. This is on the RE charts. I mean, I don't. we don't have to do that bloody annoying thing where people will tell everyone what the podcast is about. At no, the start of every podcast, we'll just assume that people know that this is the RHR's for
1: Sorry. All the songs that have been number one from 1983 <laughs> to the present, um, as discussed in the theme tune that I just uh, showed Tom before this episode. So, <laughs> <All right>. um, <laughs>
2: sure. <laughs> okay, that's good. So the theme song's got it covered. It I does. Won't it, does right. it does. So, two weeks, the first two weeks, the horribly named Species Deceases. Which was at the end of the previous year. Um, um, did you check any of the songs out of this in the in the week? I had a couple of listens, but yeah, the songs are definitely better than the title. Yep. Because the title is balls, it yeah. sucks to say and it sucks to read. It's just
1: S-species, species species deceases. Yeah, it's uh, it doesn't roll off the tongue at all. I'm not sure what they were. Clearly, thinking. people
2: were judging them off the music because they went on to be quite big. So.
1: Absolutely right. So, two weeks of that. So, the first song of 1986 that was a number one, a new number one, sorry, was Starship. (laughs) We built this city on rock and roll. Mm, Sorry, mm, it's just called mm. We Built This City. Apologies. (laughs) Don't want to give away what happens in the song, but the city that they refer to in the title um, is built on rock and roll. So, there we go. Now, this is an interesting one. Um, So... People, if you don't know Starship, they were they were called Jefferson Airplane, they like fuck, like in the seventies or something. No, in, in 69, the sixty
2: nine, yeah.
1: Then they were called Jefferson Starship. Then all the people that were in Jefferson Airplane left Jefferson Starship, so there was no one left in there anymore. So the original member said, "You can't call it." Je- you can't have Jefferson in the name anymore. <laughs> you can't do that because no one else is left. Because it was such a good name, it was. <laughs> so then they changed the name to just Starship, mm. um, which is a
2: pretty '80s band name.
1: Sure. Absolutely. So that's sort of the history of the band. Um, I can't tell you a lot about Jefferson Airplane <laughs> or Jefferson Starship. Well, um, Jefferson
2: Airplane had they were uh, they had big hits in the '60s. Yep. They had um, White Rabbits and mm. What. Uh, Don't You Want Somebody to Love? You know, which have been oh, featured yes. in countless films. They were, oh, they were okay. huge. Yep. And they were in uh, San Francisco, which was, you know, the yep. Seattle of, of its day. To, yeah. <laughs> to <laughs> the grunge <laughs> era of, the, you know, rock, hippie rock to that, that era. Absolutely. And, yeah. and I think some of the people that, you know, I mean, I'm not going to give things away too much, but I think some people didn't like this song very much because they felt that the lyrics were uh, patting themselves on the back for being so influential because they're in San Francisco, you know, for having built this city on uh, rock and roll. But um, that is a bit weird because, like, as you said, (laughs) the original members had all (laughs) fucked off. And also, they didn't write this song anyway. (laughs) Like, it's not... This isn't written by uh, them. Like, the lyrics... Yeah, absolutely.
1: So are you saying that San Francisco of of 2021 um, basically, I guess you know, the home to so many internet startups in <laughs> Silicon Valley, I guess, effectively, where people live and then take their daily commute to Google and Facebook. We're saying that none of that would have existed without Jefferson Airplane.
2: Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. They're completely so to they invented blame the for internet. Elon Musk and the <laughs> entire tech boom. Good to know that the tech <laughs> boom is in many ways to thank for uh,
1: well, this song. Well uh, think for... about it,
2: they all took lots of drugs and then yep. they gave birth to Steve Jobs.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So Steve Jobs, um, he, pr- he, would have seen a Jeff- he would have seen a Jefferson Airplane. <laughs> he would have seen a Jefferson Starship concert. Oh, he would have seen us start. He probably <laughs> would have seen maybe the Holy Trinity Airplane <laughs> into Jefferson Starship into Starship. If you've seen all three of those bands live, give us a call on the hotline. <laughs> We'd love to hear your stories. Um, so this is off the album Knee Deep in the Hoopla. Um Sure is, really. that a, is that the best title ever for an album or the worst title ever for an album? Because I don't really know. I don't know what the hoopla is. Um, well, I guess, in, you know, yeah. Knee dip in the hoopla. That lyric features. Um, mm, in the song I mean,
2: itself. what is, yeah. Hoopla just means a bunch of noise, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, a bunch of nonsense. Absolutely. So I guess it's saying, you know, bogged down by, you know. Every day, don't let the bastards get you down, you know. For sure. Unless it's the usual complaining about the record industry thing, which is never goes out of fashion. (laughs) (laughs) It could could have been. Um, Now, Tom, this was voted
1: uh, the worst song of the 80s by Rolling Stone magazine. Now, those cunts don't know anything. Yes, Um,
2: I would agree. So...
1: (laughs) Do you agree that this is the worst song of the 80s?
2: Look, don't get me wrong, it's definitely aged about as well as Alan Jones' attitude to his own homosexuality, but (laughs) I'm sorry, there is no way that this is the worst song of the 80s, or the worst (laughs) song of all time, as it has also been voted. Like, everyone can see the chorus. I mean, the worst song of the 80s, just from the first five years, that would have to make this worse than All Out of Love by Air Supply, Hey Mickey, Lady in Red, oh, Jennifer Rush from last fucking yeah, week, true. or fucking Australiana by, oh, yeah, exactly. by those standards, I would say this was definitely not the worst song
1: of the 80s. I think it's safe to say that for a magazine that's been in publication <laughs> for generations and sole purpose is to write about music, they don't seem to fucking know anything about music. This is uh, Rolling Stone. I'm calling you out now. They love Um, a list, though. They love a list. And uh, the thing that I notice about Rolling Stone is occasionally they'll do some sort of like 500 best albums of all time Mm -hmm. and there'll be an album in at 37 and then they'll say, but when this was released in 1968, we gave it a D minus because we thought it was shit. So they always (laughs) say everything's terrible and then with... The hindsight of 50 years ago, oh, actually, everyone likes it now, so we're going to like it as well. So they follow the trends. They don't create them. Fuck you, Rolling Stone. Don't care about anything you say. That's true. There we go. That's uh, my rant <laughs> over on Rolling Stone magazine. No. Um, but yeah, GQ magazine also voted at the worst selling of all time. Do those guys know what they're talking about?
2: Well, they largely seem to get by on selling people who buy aftershave at airports more true. aftershave. That's so, right. I would say probably not. Yeah. I think
1: the list, you're absolutely right, Tom. I'm sure on one page there was a list of the worst songs of all time <laughs> saying this is number one. And on the following page, there would have been, yeah, an aftershave ad or for a bourbon that's really yeah. overpriced or from some sort of new, you know. I guess microphone or head headphones, or... Possibly. exactly, exactly. So those guys also don't know what the fuck they're talking about. I don't think any major make if you're if you're an institution for a magazine, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I think it's safe to say, <laughs> only internet magazines that have been started in the last five years know what they've got their finger on the pulse. All Anyone podcasts, about the RHR. It's
2: true. They're the finger. only authorities. The really only thing you
1: could. should look at um to get your news, but <laughs> GQ apparently they called the Bible overrated. <laughs> um, in one of their most overrated books of all time features. Oh, know, so that stands up. I'll stick with them on that. I
2: used to read music magazines quite a lot and I'll tell you any list of any kind of music, any top 100 of anything from either Rolling Stone or Q magazine, which used to be another one, the top 20 albums will never have anything newer than 1983 Yeah, because of the age of the people that used to write for these magazines. Oh, exactly <laughs> According right. them, the hot shit stopped about punk the, the, you know, they'll allow that new albums, that good albums have come out since then, but still you will never beat every single album by Bob Dylan and every single album by the Rolling Stones. So they all have to come in the top bracket oh, absolutely. and then all the Beatles albums as well. So then only after that can you, yeah.
1: For sure, for sure. You create a top 10 albums of all time list um, and yeah, you, you have to put on... <laughs> a Beatles one, you've got to put in a Rolling Stones one, you have to probably put in like Nirvana or something like that. Sure. So you're right, like no one has, you know, no one's thinking outside of the box, no one gives a shit, no one's researching going, what about those, what about that Nikki Webster album, Tom, that you mentioned, maybe I didn't give it the time of day that it deserves, that I should listen to it now, what's going on, maybe it's a lot better than I remember, so I don't know. People it's don't true. really do that. So look, Anyway, this song, um, I think people give it a bit of a hard time, but I think it's significantly better than a lot of songs that we've heard over the, the preceding weeks. Um, people give it a hard time, I think, as well, because it features the lyric, Marconi plays the mumbo. <laughs> and no one knows what that means. I don't know who Marconi is. Marconi? I don't know what the mumbo... The the the, 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 mam- the mumbo. Like, Lou Bega's yes. mumbo number five. But the mum- isn't the mumbo like a snake? I don't know.
2: Yeah... You've got me there. Oh, Marconi, Marconi invented the radio, but oh. even then, it still doesn't make any sense.
1: Did he play the mumba though? I don't
2: know. I think not, they both sure. start with M. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably... Yeah, but, no, I know what you mean. Like, yeah. lyrics-wise, this is just balls. As it said, you've got... Uh, Knee-deep in the hoopla, sinking in your fight, too many runaways eating up the night. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, apart from just the general A's obsession with apparently everything interesting happens out on the street at the night... I don't know what to tell you. Needed been the Hoopla was the album title. Like I said, it sucks. So do these lyrics. But I can tell you with certainty that there are worse songs than this. Just gotcha. on that album, there are worse songs than this. I mean, if <laughs> you're a song of the 80s, Did, had they maybe listened to Millie Vanilli? Did that ever no. cross their road? Because <laughs> exactly. I've got some joy for you down the road if you think this is the worst thing that happened Exactly. But I guess
1: um, so, sort of more from a practical point of view, Tom, look, I'm not an architect... Uh, town planner, <laughs> urban designer, surveyor, civil engineer, structural engineer, material strength tester. But I doubt that rock and roll, which is a concept more than anything, is the suitable foundation for the construction of any building, let alone no. the entire city.
2: There's surely some planning ordinances uh, yeah. must have been, you know
1: The city of Melbourne, I I don't <laughs> think they would let you build a city on a foundation of rock and roll. And this is mm-hmm. apparently, you know, the the cap you know, one of the world Centres of rock and roll, That's but even true. then, they would say, "No dice. We need something more significant." Perhaps if
2: people had investigated at the time, then San Francisco's urban planning wouldn't be in the mess it's in now. If people had looked <laughs> into true. the corruption that they were clearly trying to uncover, <laughs> absolutely right. Why do
1: these buildings keep falling down? Because they're built on of rock and roll, old
2: Walkmans from the <laughs> 80s <laughs> Exactly this right. there's no foundation for a building. Definitely, I think you if cannot you're... build a building off BASF chrome cassettes. Yeah, with dubbed copies of Knee Deep in the Hoopla on them, I don't think that's
1: really gonna, you know, no building will stand up to that no. sort of. I don't think so. Look, um, Starship, nothing's gonna stop us now. That's a banger. I'm, I think I'm supporting that. And Sarah, no time is a good time for goodbye. So, oh, look, I think, I think, I think, I think they've got a few hits, you know. And look, oh, yeah. to be honest, if I, if, if there was. You know, at Rod Laver Arena, um, which is a a major music venue in Melbourne, if they had Starship and I could get a ticket for under $10, (laughs) and I knew they were going to play We Built This City, No One's Going to Stop Us Now, and Sarah, I would go.
2: I would go. I'm pretty sure they did actually reform at some point with the old bloody members. You know, these. 60s, 70s bands are always yep. doing that stuff and 80s bands as well now too and if you haven't heard Jefferson Airplane go back and have a listen because their greatest hits is pretty good they had some bangers
1: absolutely cool um, right, you've got please. you've got the hit, you've done all the lyrical highlights so you've yes. got some more it's, <laughs> it's not really there's any. the most it's interesting really thing on there it's just yep. yeah um, so Spotify, five point four million monthly listeners now. There's a few. There's a really? few. There's a few hits in there. As I said, I think true. nothing's going to stop us now, Sarah, and we built this city. I wonder if They're that sort covers
2: of... Jefferson Airplane as well, like all three bands. That's in true. One That's go. a
1: fair point. Yeah, absolutely. But um, I think in terms of like sort of cheesy eighties sort of rock, I think they're oh, sort of like yeah. cornerstones of sort of, yeah, you know, you if you had an 80s party, you'd probably be playing uh, one, the, if not all three of those It's the audio
2: songs. equivalent of neon, flashy neon signs. Absolutely,
1: <laughs> absolutely. Um, the video clip, the outfits are pretty rad <laughs> as well, so check that out. And I think that the drummer is actually um, playing a giant... Uh, like a forty-four gallon drum. Oh, I that's the drums. Sure. So uh, I'm when hoping
2: you... it's got fire coming out of yeah. it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> when you listen to the song, he appears to be playing an actual drum kit, <laughs> or should sure probably all just sort of sampled drums in this song. Maybe no one's playing a drum. Hexagonal, kit
2: heavily gated synth drums. <laughs> exactly. <would be>
1: <laughs> but yeah, so forty-four gallon drum um, as as I think the snare and all the toms as well. So that's pretty good. And uh yeah, sorry, fifty-three cents on Discogs. It's going to cost you, but I think cents. it's a pretty pretty good deal. Mm, maybe that's more so. than I
2: thought.
1: Yep, so that was number one for four weeks, four weeks of power. So moving on to 17th of February, um, Fergal Sharky. Chuck- uh, <laughs>
2: Fergal. I don't
1: Fergal. know how to it. He's Irish. Sharky. In fantasy With a good it. heart. And the lyrics of this song is A Good Heart these days. So so that's what I was talking about
2: uh, <laughs> with, the, see, with the fake man, title of it the show. Makes so much more. So sense. How, how oh, I, I do ruined it. the surprise Sorry. by bringing up Fergal. For all the Fergal, they're all the sharky heads out yep. there.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. So, yes, um, A Good Heart. This is number one for two weeks. He is Irish. Now, A Good Heart these days is hard to find, Tom. Does he mean that in a transplant context? If you need a heart transplant, that it's difficult well, to find a good
2: heart. Is that what he's referring to? I think the depth here is that it could mean that and also a whole bunch of other stuff. Yep. <laughs> you know, it's got depth.
1: It does have depth. It's very open. Um, and I think that it gives the listener the opportunity to draw out their own mm. sort of feeling. Sometimes simply can do that. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, the Fergal, he is definitely in one hit wonder territory you would agree with that i don't
2: i don't know any other songs I think of this from this guy i remembered his name but i think that's because it's such an odd name absolutely but yeah i couldn't tell you yep too and, many other songs of his but, and but does this pass our iga test would
1: is this something that you think you might hear in an IGA in the last twenty years, or is this a one like hit wonder that's over been... a
2: supermarket stereo? Yeah, yeah. Do you, has it been lost
1: to time? Is I'd that what I'm it, saying?
2: I put, I say it's on the B tier yeah, of the eighties classics. You yep. know, when Absolutely. they when they say that they're going to play some different stuff and then they play something you've only heard fifty eight thousand times instead of once a day, every day for your entire life. Absolutely yeah. right. Absolutely, I <laughs> the should... B sides of the eighties.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because the reason I asked. Uh, That is because I've sort of been curious as to, I guess, the economics of a one-hit wonder, like whether you can have a one-hit wonder, I guess if it's an A-tier one that's played on the radio all the time, as we've learned in previous weeks, if you're getting a lot of Spotify listens, I'm sure the checks are rolling in. I do recall reading something along the lines of uh, the knack of my Sharona fame. Um, you could live on that I I think the guy if you've
2: you've got songwriting credit you can live off something like that I think that was it it. two of the
1: guys in the band wrote that song and one of them said yeah look a check comes in every couple of months and it's enough for me to live off and then occasionally we'll reform for a live show if you can write
2: a fucking Christmas song if you can get a Christmas song that people play every year that's the rest of your life covered you don't need anything your kids won't have to work if they don't want to that's the plot of a Nick hornby book but yeah yeah it's true yeah
1: yeah because i'm just sort of thinking like one hit wonder this guy yeah you said it's sort of b tier probably not enough money t- t- to live off i don't think i assume now that if he's still alive hopefully he is i, have, I should have checked it on wikipedia before we did this no, but what, what happened
2: he- with him is he he got he uh he turned this into he was fairly big at the time i think in the uk and Ireland, and he yep. turned this into a job with the uh, British music industry as a sort of curator and a kind of cultural uh, gatekeeper of, in the good sense. though. So yep. he was, I think he got an OBE for services to a culture in the United yep. Kingdom because he, you know, he'd contributed a lot of stuff. Okay. So he he, he seemed like, actually seems like a pretty cool guy. Like That's he good. seemed like, you know. So would this have, the reason I'm asking these questions,
1: Tom, is that I'm sort of thinking to myself, is it better to have a B-tier um, one-hit wonder, yep. if, just from a career point of view, or is it better to have a gay anthem that may not be a number one song or as big of a hit, but it is huge within um, the gay community? Mm. And, I, so, and I mean that in sort of like, a, you know, <laughs> I Will Survive, which was a number one song, um, Village people, YMCA, oh, these look. sorts of songs. Um, it's raining men, you same, know. Same Dancing queen, <laughs> you know. Just sort of thinking: is it better to sort Because of, these songs, I gather that you know, every sort of uh, Mardi Gras, sort of every gay club. There's a there's a lot oh, of sort yeah. of scenarios where these songs. <laughs> there's not as many gay anthems, is, is what I'm trying to say. There's a, there's a lot smaller pool to draw from. Um, all great songs, so I guess sort of they get played at any event and the reason sort of any event, I guess, yeah, where there's sort of like, I guess, where drag queens are pretty, exactly. Yeah. Where the gay community is involved. Um, then I think that the songs get, you know, like I can't imagine going to, um, sort of the Mardi Gras and them not playing, you know, I will survive, for example, yeah. something along those lines. And the reason I asked that is because could, how is it, do people <laughs> curate a gay anthem? Do they say I'm going to write a gay anthem or do you think it just <laughs> happens sort of, organically is it something that sort of you know yeah. does some, I'm sort of interested in that sort of element as well whether well, have
2: you got some ideas on the drawing? Look, or... I, I don't know I, I
1: look I don't know I, I just don't know whether if Fergal would have changed the lyrics to from a good heart these days is hard to find to a good cock these days is hard to find well would would that have been a gay anthem <laughs> or is it too hard to say whether that would in be adopted by the...
2: it probably wouldn't get on the radio. You'd be fine now. <laughs> that's, you know, yeah, so that's true. That's a <laughs> fair point. That's a in fair fact, point. I think that's the new Ariana Grande song. Um, yeah, I in mean... In fact, it's... that was too subtle for her, I think. She yeah, kicked that one out of bed yeah. before it... Because it farted, as say, <laughs> <laughs> <It's> <laughs> Absolutely. Quite... Look. Um, look, look. I don't know. I'm not sure. I think the drag queens doing covers of uh, "It's Raining Men" in gay bars are not paying royalties That's, the same way yeah. like classic rock radio. That's and true. And That's I do. I also think that there's a giant pool of gay anthems that us boring straight people do not uh, are not aware of because oh, of we course, don't hear yeah. them. You know, at, at the clubs or you know, at um, yeah, at that kind of thing. So, yeah, we, everyone knows It's Raining Men and stuff like yeah. that, but I reckon I reckon you'd, you'd go broke if you could write a new YMCA.
1: Oh, absolutely right. I yeah. mean,
2: famous uh, friend of gay people, Donald Trump, just played YMCA as the last song as he trundled off stage having yep. lost his second election. You know, so somebody got royalties for that. Absolutely,
1: yeah, that's true. Look, yeah, I gather that it's probably... I I assume that... he could have
2: done without the chaps. Did he have to wear (laughs) arseless chaps when he did that? No one needed to see that. (laughs) The Donald, I think... He's taking the YMCA thing too far. He's taking
1: it a little bit too literally. But, yeah, I gather that, yeah, I mean, some people probably write songs. I mean, yeah, like a lot of gay anthems are probably, you know... Kylie Minogue has probably written some songs that, you know, didn't think that that would turn into yeah. those sorts of songs. So I think probably if Fergal had have said, you know, I'm going to make sure that this is a gay anthem by writing a good cock these days, i <laughs> to find probably might have failed. <laughs> it could have succeeded, could have failed. Do we know? We, we was don't. he actually gay? Well, he wasn't. He, he wasn't. wasn't. So, oh, okay. Well, I don't know. See, but, but Kylie's not either. So I think that no, it doesn't true. really matter.
2: Yes. You it's just got to yeah. lean into it. Yeah. Anyway,
1: it was just something that I sort of. When I was thinking about these B tier or sort of non, you know, one hit wonders where someone hasn't made a career's worth of money out of that, were there other avenues that one could explore? I'm pretty sure the village people are, are doing okay off the back of YMCA.
2: I'm saying this could actually be a gay anthem and I wouldn't know because I don't, I, no one would tell me about no, it. it's true. Unless I, I tripped know. over it watching a Trixie and Katya video or something like that.
1: I'm going to you look know. like the biggest idiot in the world if a good heart... Is actually a gay anthem, and I know, and I didn't do the requisite research <laughs> At to find I out. First, I thought so. that's what you would say. No, I, maybe it's no, no. I, I just thought that for Fergal, from an economic point of view, perhaps if he had have created a gay yes. anthem, it may have been more sure. beneficial to him. Um, but look, I don't know what I'm talking about.
2: That's fine. So it's, well, <laughs> it's the video, okay. the video is quite you know, it 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 could it does lean in that direction a bit. It's got it's got a multicultural. Uh, Multi-racial, um, uh, multi-gender. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, video clip. It's not. There's nothing sexualized about it. There's two drummers, both women, in uh, the film clip. Everyone has a mullet, including the black woman, except for Fergal himself, who not only doesn't have a mullet, he has a '90s college kid centre part and an <laughs> XXL floppy shirt. So nice. I'm saying. Not only was he uh, too cool for a moment, I'm saying he was ten years of his time fashion wise. Nice. You know, and he could easily have starred in American Pie Three Glucose Dick Invention, <laughs> which was a huge hit and you know, all he needed was a bowling shirt on top of his floppy shirt, a yeah, short sleeve shirt on top of his long sleeve bowling shirt and a pair of cross colours jeans. Yep brushing the floor on either side of his feet and yeah.
1: Absolutely. Look, um, I probably made a bit of an error, Tom, because uh, apparently 2002 book um, titled Queer they talk about gay anthems and they also had a look at some of the themes that are common to them sure. and apparently there's 10 elements that have been identified and looking at them now my notes I don't know whether any of these <laughs> fit into Fergal unfortunately big voice divas no, he's got a, quite a small voice. Actually, themes of overcoming hardship in love.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, there That's we go. One, one out of ten. You are not alone. No, he's pretty alone. It's yeah. a very singular. Themes of throwing your cares away. Not really. No.
1: Um, hard won self esteem. Yes. Mm-hmm. Unashamed sexuality.
2: Uh, like sort of by eighty standards, yeah. I guess.
1: The search for acceptance. Baby. Uh, torch songs for the world weary. Could be. The theme of love conquers all.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, making no apologies for who you are.
2: Say half. Yeah, gives him like a six, six out of half, ten. Seven okay.
1: out of okay. ten, yeah. Okay, all right. Well, there you go. That's food for thought for Fergal. <laughs> if he wants to re-release this in 21 with uh, lyrics slightly <laughs> altered, then let's wait and see.
2: Well, I was actually, it's weird that you should say that, because I glanced at your notes before, and I just saw the stuff about the gay anthems, mm. and so I just assumed from that that this was, that, that he was gay, so I, you know, anthems aside, yep. and so I read this through the lens of that, and it is by, especially by 80s standards, like lyrically, for instance, these are actually pretty good, it's like, it's... It's sort of it's a very straightforward, simple song about wanting to find love and looking for a heart There really it doesn't stumble at all. There's no embarrassing shitty metaphors. Yep. There's no tearing up the night nonsense. He's just sort of, you know, like, compared to... He's 27 writing this and singing yeah. this, and he sounds pretty world-weary. He makes it sound like he's running out of time to find love, which is bollocks. Yeah. But compared to, like, Total Eclipse of the Heart, like, this is a pretty <laughs> realistic approach to romance. it's like, true. He's just saying, like, it's hard to find real love that lasts and, like, don't fuck me over, please. Yeah. Like, which is, you know, like, maybe it makes me sound like a fucking old, unreconstructed hetero to think that someone doing an honest you know heartfelt love song makes them sound poofy but like you know it's a it's a good they're good lyrics is what i'm saying like it it works like he he, it's simple but it's effective
1: look i completely agree that yeah lyrically this is a lot better um compared
2: to we built this city definitely
1: and i'm sorry fergal um i didn't really think this through a good heart is hard to find and mm. i think you know people a good can cock agree with it is probably that's what the point i was just about <laughs> oh, to, yeah. sorry no it's fine. <laughs> sorry. i was just going to say a good a good cock is probably relatively easy to find <laughs> than a good heart so yeah look that's fair enough um and a hard cock they're 10 a penny like oh a penny absolutely as we learnt <laughs> in um yeah, one night in Bangkok last week, <laughs> which makes a hard man hum. Yes, you just erections all over the place. <laughs> um, right. So Fergal, he's got three hundred thousand listeners. Oh,
2: yeah, uh, he's definitely on the lower. End he is on the scale. lower
1: end, but you know, maybe maybe that's what a B tier one hit wonder. That's probably what you get. Three hundred thousand people listen to this song, and then. Something else that's in there. I don't know that he has. I'll check it out one day. Probably not. But yeah, maybe I don't know. And 19 cents on Discogs. Okay. So it's uh, it's a bargain. Pick one of these up if you can. Anything
2: else, Tom? No. No. What do we got next? We're into um, March.
1: We are. Third of March for one week. Um, Diane Warwick with Gladys Knight, Elton John and Stevie <sighs> Wonder. Christ. That's what friends are for. <sighs> now... Nobody has ever played this without having consumed 2,000 standard drinks. Is that correct?
2: Oh, certainly not so long to it. No. For
1: sure. Like, Good this Lord. seems to be sort of... I've, I, I'm have i i clinically dead. I've consumed <laughs> so much alcohol. And I'm with a friend I haven't seen yeah, for like, eight years. I'm going like to put this on. It's
2: like, Old Oh, yeah. Nobody who's not shit-faced yep. ever sings Old Lang Syne. Absolutely, absolutely. Because why would you? They're both god-awful. they terrible. this uh, I forgot how bad this was. Yeah. I re-listened to it.
1: Yeah, <sighs> yeah. Look, I'm going to go out on a limb. And this it's not the worst song um, of the year, but it's definitely the most boring number one song. Yeah, yeah. I should I potentially the decade. That.
2: it's not a terrible song wise. Like it's adequately performed, but it's just fucking boring. But it's just boring,
1: and especially. the lyrics are an absolute. Cheese Factory, in terms of just how sort of
2: keep smiling, keep fucking. It's a cover, isn't it?
1: Yeah, so Rod Stewart actually originally recorded this. So um, you can't
2: blame the lyrics on. Them. Yep. But yeah. So Rod recorded
1: this uh, for the soundtrack album for the film Night Shift, starring Henry Winkler, Michael Keaton, and Shelley Long. The Fonz. So you know it's good <laughs> straight off the bat. Michael Keaton and yep.
2: Shelley Long. Wow. I should yep. look that up.
1: Yeah. Exactly. The Fonz, um, Batman, and Shelley Long. I do want to know together. what Night Shift is about. Now. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, but that's it's, not about the a, it's about a it's <laughs> about a guy that works the night shift. And, um, <laughs> A morgue, I think it is. I'm not sure. No, I that's... think it's an offbeat comedy. Oh, uh, okay. Maybe that's maybe I've got it wrong.
2: There's a, there's a film about a morgue that's uh, that's got you uh, and McGregor in it. Maybe it is that.
1: Oh, maybe it did you? And, was there a? There's a that's there a thriller, a,
2: and it's got the word nightiness.
1: Uh, okay.
2: Maybe, sorry, I might be... No, look, I'm just going to no, quickly... Right.
1: It's directed by Ron Howard as well, <laughs> so it's good to see the Fonz and Ron back together. This is quite a So really. it's, um, yeah, concerning a timid night shift morgue employee whose life is turned upside down by a new co-worker who fancies himself a free-spirited entrepreneur.
0: Mm, okay.
1: Yeah, with the Fonz, Michael Keaton, in his first starring role in Shelley Long. So there you go. So right. Rod recorded this yeah. song for that... Which sounds um, completely inappropriate, yep. but I haven't seen the film. So which anyway. came out in '82, and then fast forward four years, and uh, these guys get together to do a cover of it
2: mm.
1: um, for the purpose of raising money for AIDS research. <sighs> so it's another charity one off the yep. back of some of the ones we had last week. It made three million dollars, um, which obviously you know went towards AIDS research. And I guess once again, like those songs last week, if you had AIDS um and someone approached you and said we've come up with a cure however <laughs> the cure has been created using the proceeds from the that's what friends are for cover mm. would you take it or would you just die <sighs> of it'd be tough it would be pretty tough i think
2: yeah these days you know the treatment's so good i'm not sure if it would hold up to having to listen to this on repeat forever yeah Exactly. I
1: I you know, I just think you'd be alive but you know that, you know, you've been you're alive mm, because of this song mm. in effect. You feel like you owe your life <laughs> to these guys and yeah. this song. Sure. So I don't know. I don't think I would. I think I'd just probably live and let die so to speak. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah. Um, but the cruel irony is that with a compromised immune system from HIV, this song might be enough to kill you.
2: Mm, yes. Just
1: listening to it, you might sort of be like, I don't it's know. It's possible. It's pretty bad. Pretty bad. Um, so I don't really have a lot more to say about this. Do you have any more in the. Sort well, of-
2: I'm thinking, like, after listening last week to, you know, Friggin' uh, Do They Know It's Christmas and yep. um, the one about the children, I'm thinking this is 1986, the next year. How long was the argument about whether or not they should call this charity Live Aids? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's right there on the table for you. It's it's right there. I can't believe they didn't. It's, I know. It's weird. It's not like they were super tactful about HIV in 1986. They absolutely like, were I don't not. think Ronald Reagan had admitted that it existed yet. No, so, certainly. He was very much
1: like, don't worry about that. Yeah, it's I mean, fine.
2: Yeah. I mean, the best thing you can say about this, I reckon, is that uh, she does have a rad voice. Yep. In fact, it's so rad that I'm slightly suspicious. That I'm wondering if perhaps she didn't pick three people to accompany her, who, who lyric, uh, who vocally she can definitely shit on from a great height, like especially Elton John and Stevie Wonder. <laughs> like oh, it's yeah. just every time they pick up the mic, and suddenly the quality of the vocals drop down a fair bit. But um, yeah.
1: Absolutely. That's, right.
2: I'm, I'm, yep, you're right. I'm, I'm suggesting that Diane Warwick has deliberately started an AIDS charity so that she can show how much of a better singer she is than Elton Drill. I think it's I'm a good saying. reason.
1: I think it's a good mm-hmm. reason to, to, you know, you're raising money for a good cause, but you're also showing what a <laughs> good singer you are compared to other people. Um, and I can only imagine that, look, um, even if at the time, I don't think, you know, she would have saved any lives, probably because the research was sort of in its infancy, but she certainly did show that she was a better singer than most people. And so, yeah,
2: and she did more parades than uh, the President of America was doing. Oh, absolutely, so, absolutely, anyway, at yeah, that, that point yeah, in time. Ronald Reagan, was, Reagan if you've never heard of him. He was there. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> kind of, he did a lot. You know. um, but anyway... The uh, lyrics-wise, there's yeah. bugger all to say about it. Yeah. Really. The, the most interesting thing I could find was that uh, they everyone takes a verse hither and thither. Um, the Stevie Wonder and Elton John verse starts with uh, with <laughs> Stevie Wonder passionately singing, "Well, you came and opened me, and now there's so much more to see so i 'm thinking unless Stevie and Elton had a much more complicated, possibly goatsy <laughs> based relationship than I previously thought. <laughs> I have to say that this song falls into the category of songs about friendship written by people who obviously have very different friendships than I do. Like, (laughs) as in, in this case, particularly making friendship sound like, you know, the person that you've fallen in love with for the rest of your life. Like, what, all right, what do you reckon? What's the weirdest song about friends, do you think? Um <laughs> it by contrast to your own experience of having relationships and friends. Jeez, I don't know. There's a few I wanna be by Spice Girls, that yeah. presents a weird a If rough. you wanna be my lover you gotta get with my friends. Mm, yeah. So yeah. You gotta have sex with all my friends yep. I'm guessing, which is always a bit strange. Uh, Wind Beneath My Wings that makes friendship seem even possibly crazier (laughs) we're not just gonna this song says merely suggests that to be friends with someone is to love them for the rest of their life and occasionally have to come over and open you (laughs) but um, Wind Beneath My Wings suggests that you basically have to act as some sort of immortal messianic (laughs) figure that lifts them aloft on wings of angels every single day or we're not really going out you know yeah also i'll be missing you by puff daddy featuring faith evans and 112 that's oh. quite a weird one whatever happened to 112 oh,
1: i don't know i'm not yeah. sure so they um get old so fast oh days. they do definitely
2: um I'm i, I wish i knew what happened I I to check one
1: <laughs> check one two as well <laughs> mclaughlin's backing uh, fame, yeah, right? he's right? Oh, he's been cancelled ring has. the
2: cancelled bill yes
1: absolutely um so look it's interesting though um that that uh, prior to this, um, so Diane Warwick, obviously you know leading up this song. But what one thing I found interesting about her career is that back in 1983, um, TV producer Aaron Spelling, oh, yeah. who's uh, big name, obviously uh, 90210, nine Mero's two Place, nine, yep. The Love Boat, all those sorts of things, um, he came across her and said, "Look, I want you to record uh, the theme song to a show I'm working on called Finder of Lost Loves." Um, which was a show about a detective who specialised in reuniting exes and it was cancelled after a single season. Is that a good premise for a show?
2: I think it actually is. Yep. By the standards of fucking Aaron Spilling, whose usual premises for shows were, what if we stick some hot people in a room? Yeah. Then, yeah, I'd say by that standard, sure. If you got some actual good actors in it, Yep. I wonder who those actors could have been. I,
1: I don't know. I didn't do any more <laughs> research. Um, just I thought things, that's what you were no. leading up to.
2: Sorry. No, I, I was just
1: leading up to the fact that um, some people break up for a reason. I'm not sure whether you need a private detective yes. to go and find each individual yeah. in I a, think that's sometimes a messy relationship. I
2: think that's why the first season ended, because the last four episodes were just him loitering outside a women's shelter. And, oh, yeah, absolutely. And just after that, they're like, this isn't as good as... 90210. Exactly. It's barely Melrose Place, frankly. Exactly, exactly. So, look, but as I've talked about previously, people are
1: always remaking um, popular films and popular TV shows. Why don't we delve in to the vault oh, exactly. and remake shitty shows? I'd, I'd like to kinda, see this get remade.
2: Yeah, no one's going to complain you ruined their childhood if you remake.
1: The uh Finder of Lost Loves, Lost yeah Lost. exactly. <laughs> I think if someone said to me we're remaking Finders of Lost Loves, we're gonna re you're gonna get Diane to do the theme song again, it's about, you know, reuniting exes. Hmm. I'd be like, Yeah, sign me up. I'll watch that for what sure. What
2: if I gave you hundred and fifty million dollars to script the new remake of the Haim Feldman vehicle license to drive?
1: Uh do that, absolutely. And Dream Machine Tom, I'll do two <laughs> for the price of one if you want. So <laughs> happily do that for you well, so basically they can be sequels it was <laughs> basically the same <laughs> film, <Almost laughs> the same film yeah. one of them had heather graham in it. i can't remember which one that oh, was but um to look that up. yeah <laughs> <right>. okay so <laughs> All that good? enough about uh, oh, i think so i think so <laughs> um and anyone that's, <laughs> that's only one week and but for a more recent um reference though this featured in an episode of the 2005 uh show the oc Oh,
2: so <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that's the modern day
1: Tory feeling. If you want to know
2: who succeeded him, shit like the OC
1: Exactly, exactly. So yeah, just one week for that. Yeah, pretty bad. But once again, is it? Can you really shit on a song that I guess was doing something for a good cause? And it's only one
2: week as well. Yep. It's not like bloody Live Aid and stuff that just completely yep. took over the culture. Exactly. I mean, I was. Well, I was like seven when Live Aid came out, and I remember that like it was you know. It reached across the entire world and annoyed me at age seven. You
1: know, absolutely. And look, you know, obviously there's great AIDS medication these days where people can live. It's not the death sentence it once was, but we can re- live yep. a relatively normal life. And hey, it's probably all because of this song. I'm so if, if this song yes, was never recorded, people sure. would still be dying. So props to that. You can get this for 25 cents off Discogs. Um, Diane Warwick has 2.8 mil. Yeah. Um, well, she on had Spotify. plenty of other
2: stuff going on before yep. this. Yeah.
1: Gladys, Elton, and Stevie Wonder. I, I think we talked about Stevie Wonder yep. and Elton John before, so Gladys Knight, I didn't bother looking up. She's probably got loads. Sorry about that. <laughs> Sorry, Gladys fans. Uh, we'll probably talk later, I That's guess. That's another
2: business card one. Her band is called Gladys Knight and the Pips, Yeah, which means that So you are going to the airport, it's Ben Gillies, Pip... Yeah, it's just what it says on your business card, exactly. Exactly, <laughs> I, you know, I don't like it.
1: It's I'm, like, I'm, I'm one of the pips. For, <laughs> would you either be one of the pips or
2: I'd a member a of comodal. the news? I'd be Commodore. Yeah, people would think good. you were a car, yeah, but yeah. or the captain of a, some sort of naval battalion, definitely, <laughs> so, definitely. Anyway, sorry, but speaking just, of, but you were navy, just the, yeah. speaking of the navy, he said, doing an awesome segue. Who's next? <laughs> Billy Ocean. Oh my god, that was so elegant. When the going gets tough, the tough gets going. Six freaking weeks, too. Take that. That's what friends are for. For sure. Now.
1: I always thought that Billy Ocean was a sick name. I thought it was a—it's a really cool name, better than uh, Leslie Sebastian Charles, which is his actual name. Yes, definitely. So <laughs> this song would not have been a hit at all if it's just like here's here's a new it's single brilliant. from Sebastian Cha- Leslie Sebastian Charles. So yeah, Billy Ocean, hmm. great name. Um, yep. Yeah, really, really like it. He's and
2: already popped up, hasn't he? he t- can yeah. we do get out of my dreams get into my car or is it no it was Caribbean that's, Queen yeah. brackets no
1: more love on the run absolutely bracket. yeah for sure. sure so um yeah we've talked about Billy um out of my dreams I think that's that's going to come later right? Ooh, It's probably another sorry, one so you can sport it for people that <laughs> haven't listened to music before okay. but yeah so the good this song was used for the theme for the Michael Douglas vehicle uh, the jewel of the Nile
2: this is our first movie one of the year okay. absolutely yep.
1: so the jewel of the Nile um which is a sequel to romancing the oh, yes, of course it is Yeah. Um, Michael Douglas um, Kathleen Turner yep absolutely um, Michael Douglas is um, a midget yes. is he a
2: midget he is a midget yeah. I
1: think technically definitely definitely um, and sorry, I sorry he's a little person he's, he's a little bit. yeah exactly right um, oh, I don't know if I've seen The Jewel of the Nile
0: <laughs>
2: I, I think I've seen it like it it's fun it's romancing the stone is better yeah it's got a certain purity to it but yep. The Jewel of the Nile is sleazy old good time yep Scott. I need to jump on board lots of 80s trash fun in it
1: yeah absolutely Um, I think yeah I'll, I'll definitely watch that this is a great I mean if this oh, song's also, involved it'd be a good DeVito film
2: DeVito steals the film as he always does yeah. he's incapable of not stealing a film that he's in
1: absolutely so look I think if you've got a movie with when the going gets tough the tough gets going <laughs> as a theme song that's a film I want to see um, like Michael Douglas I've really liked him you know pretty much my whole life especially when he claimed that he got throat cancer for eating out Catherine <laughs> Zeta-Jones I, always I thought that was- a very interesting sort of um <laughs> i got throat cancer how'd you get that uh, going down on Catherine zeta jones too much tang i'm know. not a doctor tom but i don't really know if that's how it works but anyway um boyzone covered this in 1999 <laughs> um i haven't listened to it but i'm sure it's fucking dog shit
2: i always wonder just going back to that i yep. always wonder with that it's like do you, there's only so many options with that reply. Do you mm. think that A, he thinks that throat cancer is a kind of emasculating condition to get? Yep. So he's trying to compensate for that by saying, hey, bro. I got it from eating too much pussy, bro. Yep. You know. Catherine Zeta you want Jones, to bro. You want to get, yep. you know? Or does he genuinely think that you can get throat cancer from eating too much pussy? Has he maybe gone to the doctor? He, he's got oral gonorrhea one time when he was yep. 20, and then. 40 years later, he's remembered that vaguely and has conflated it in his mind with throat cancer. <laughs> <laughs> and instead, he's thinking, yeah, anyway.
1: Oh, look, we'll have to ask uh, CZJ whether um, he did get throat Ooh. cancer from I mean, he must her have her been so... doing
2: something a lot because she basically retired from acting. So, you know, oh, she absolutely was clearly right. busy with something. So, absolutely. who knows? Good on them both.
1: For sure. So, um, listen to this song just for that, I think. So, and Billy Ocean... Um, I'd like to say he's wearing... Sorry, I watched this video clip very close to Caribbean Queen and Get Out of My Dreams Into My Car, but I think he's wearing an all-white suit.
2: No, this one... No, he's one, not. Can, I can understand the sorry. confusion. No, this is actually quite... By his standards, it's a pretty tame suit. He's actually wearing something that would pass Master today. He's wearing quite a cool sort of yep. uh, silver-gray suit over a, you know, like a turtleneck kind of thing. Yeah. But... In the video, which is just a sort of standard stage production, stage set video, you know, just a yep. fake live gig thing. On the side of the stage, I was watching this hoping that it would be one of the 80s ones where you get clips of the movie in it. They still do it sometimes, just to see bits of Jewel the Nile. Instead, you've got Danny DeVito, Michael Douglas, and, then Ka- uh, and Kathleen Turner at the side of stage, pretending... Very badly to sing and dance. They've got a whole nice. choreographed, and I use that term loosely, routine, <laughs> and they're all wearing bright white, full three piece suits, tuxedo and tails, full white tails. Nice. And they're just doing, they're just sort of driving. I mean, unless that, you know, whoever was doing the costumes had a real sense of humor of going, you know how can I get these three white people as white as possible? They're already dancing very badly in front of five musically talented black people. Yep. I'll put them in pure, let's lean into it and just put them in pure white.
0: Yeah.
2: But, um, yeah, at one point, uh, Danny DeVito short King picks up a giant saxophone and does a giant fake saxophone solo. In the middle of (laughs) other than that, like, how did they persuade them to do that?
1: Like, I think they're just uh, fun-loving people the, that, that the love The best a bit I of... could
2: think of was that... You remember that um, uh, after bloody... Uh, what's the fake Western? Three Amigos. Oh, yeah. Then there was the film film clip from The Three Amigos that had... Um, it's a Paul Simon song and it's got... Um, they all pop up in it. It's got yep. Steve Martin and Chevy Chase and stuff. They all kind of dance weirdly and sort of... But it's kind of clever. It's sort of... Comes, goes through the video and this one maybe they thought well they did it for that film maybe we just would just stand on the side of the stage pretend to be dancing next to each other it also shows because they're all standing in a neat line wearing exactly the same clothes you can see the clear fact that Kathleen Turner is a head taller than Michael Douglas which they <laughs> managed to conceal someone in the film by giving him giant stacked cowboy boots and a huge hat yep. and it, so he's only he's as he he, is midway between her and Danny DeVito he is (laughs) exactly they make a perfect 45 degree angle standing next to each other so they make Danny DeVito go in the middle for most of it so it's not completely obvious that they form a a nice even isosceles triangle standing next to each other
1: well I think that's nice that they said look Michael, you're short, we want you to be the same height as your co-star, so let's wear some high cowboy boots mm-hmm. and a cowboy hat, then you look to be the it's same size. pretty common. Yeah, I think that is common, and I think that's that's nice of Michael Douglas to go, yeah, I'm prepared to do that, because I, I have heard a rumour, I'm not sure whether it's true, that um, in, uh, I think, Top Gun, um, Tom Cruise, because he's quite short, rather than him wearing some high <laughs> shoes or standing <laughs> in a box, they cut a hole in the floor and made I his co-star stand... In the hole, in the floor, so that they're the same height. I think, which um, seems to be a lot more difficult than just <laughs> saying, Tom, stand on a fucking box.
2: I think it was probably easier in... What's that film... Uh, with Nicole Kidman, where they're in bloody Ireland. eyes wide shut. No, they're in Ireland, um, and it was because yeah. most of the film takes days place of thunder. Outdoors. No. Days of thunder. Yes, it's about Irish peasants who yep. drive NASCARs around in a circle. Very ah, far. yeah, yeah. Um, when, they, when they were first married, and yeah, the, I heard far the same away. far and away. I heard the same <laughs> rumor that in all the outside scenes, they would just dig. And make Nicole stand in it. Yeah, it was easy to just dig a two-foot hole in the ground. Just put her in it. That is easy
1: to dig a two-foot hole. Um, What's a lot easier is carrying around a two-foot box and just saying, Tom, stand on that in every fucking scene. So, dude's a total weirdo, but that's fine. Um, Anyway, so, 2002, the University of Westminster in London awarded Ocean an Honorary Doctorate of Music. Ah.
2: That's nice.
1: Now, you know when you're on a plane and someone has a heart attack and they (laughs) say, is there a doctor on the plane and a dude says, oh, yes, I've got a a doctorate in marketing. And then everyone's like, fuck off. No (laughs) one gives a flying fuck about that. We want someone to save your life. I have saved the life of the person having a heart attack. Go away with your shitty doctorate of marketing. No one gives a shit. I have a feeling that Billy Ocean with his honorary doctorate of music, if he said, I am a doctor and he stood up, walked to the plane where the guy's having a heart attack and just sung... When the going gets tough, the tough gets going. That would, I think, uh, you know, get the heart out of its sort of oh, suspended sort of sense, sure. I guess. It would reanimate the heart. It would start pumping again. Once... So I think that it would get people alive. So he's almost
2: a real medical doctor, I would oh, say. Basically. I mean, once you got to that sax solo, that'd bring people back.
1: Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Absolutely. If you're Yeah, so if you're not a doctor or if you're on a plane and someone does have a heart attack or you're just at, you know, an IGA or at the Kmart or something and says, is there a doctor and no one is, just pull out your phone, go straight to Spotify, pull out when the going gets tough, the tough gets going, blast it as loud as you can yep. directly at the person's heart mm. and that'll get them. And if that if doesn't get them back alive,
2: fast forward straight, straight to and the, the saxophone, saxophone solo. And yeah.
1: if they die, maybe they were just meant to die. That's all <laughs> I can say. So definitely do that. Um, for sure. So that's good that the you know university has honoured him for his sort of um, career music. And um, do
2: you have any lyrical highlights here? Uh, fairly straightforward, mostly mm. fairly 80s eight, kind of straightforward stuff. Loose metaphors, lots of stuff about love. There's one yep. verse that's a bit weird. uh says, I'm going to get myself across the river. That's the price I'm willing to pay. I'm going to make you stand and deliver and give me love in the old-fashioned way. Mm. Now, not sure what that says very well. For a start, getting across a river is piss easy. You just walk to a bridge. Yep. Uh, on the other hand, pointing a, fire, a firearm at someone and demanding that they give you love in the old-fashioned way, <laughs> which I'm guessing is... Missionary while wearing a cowboy hat and spurs or something, yeah, that's not going to be looked upon well, even if the going has gotten rough recently.
1: Oh, look, that's 10 to 12 years in prison, I would mm. suggest. Um, Perhaps for sure. that's
2: what happened to his career, he just ended up <laughs> in prison. jail, probably that's... carrying six guns in public and demanding people that give him love the old fashioned, yeah, thing.
1: exactly. I don't think that's going to end well, um, Billy. Um, is he... he is, we haven't cancelled him yet, have we? No. No, no. Re- yeah, he'd probably cancelled re- cancel him <laughs> on the back of that, so... Um, interesting, I found out that Billy Ocean um, is a raster, which oh, means okay. that um, he doesn't eat salt, um, doesn't drink coffee, won't eat fish longer than 12 inches, and hates gays. So, there you go. Um, very interesting. Okay, he is cancelled. You're right. Really yeah, definitely. Look, I, <laughs> I, I, I actually don't know whether um, all rasters... Um, don't eat fish longer than 12 inches and hate gays, but <laughs> certainly, it, yeah.
2: certainly, general thesis
1: certainly, sure. um, the Rastas are, um, it's not not all fun loving, smoking no, weed, and no. listening to Bob Marley. There's a couple of things there, they also um,
2: think some boring politician from the 70s is Jesus as well, which doesn't make, yeah, didn't make a lot yeah, of sense to time, weird. makes even less sense now. Exactly, even he was mystified when they told him about that, yeah, anyway.
1: That explains why going gets tough, the tough gets going. Isn't a gay anthem, as we spoke no. about before. So, although well, we got...
2: it may explain his name, maybe the Caribbean thing, it's just Billy Ocean. Yeah, mm. that's true. Absolutely. I always just thought Caribbean Queen was because he went there on holiday and hooked up with some hot girl, but you know.
1: Yeah. No, he's he's from he's from the Caribbean um, originally, and um, definitely no. I think uh, Billy, yeah, Billy Ocean, yeah, it's a great name, and I hope to hear some more of him. Coming up, Tom, three point eight million on the Spotify. Okay. Um, Yeah, he's got a few hits, so that doesn't surprise me. And um, eighteen cents.
2: Deal. Pretty cheap, yeah. Deal. All right. I'm still.
1: She wasn't in the Supremes at the time that this song came (laughs) out. Obviously,
2: better thing to have in your business card absolutely Ben Gilly's Supreme Sup- oh yeah but imagine
1: being one of the Supremes that's pretty cool That's it's definitely one of the better rather than The News or The Pips or <laughs> there's some other shit ones coming up <laughs> just how it
2: looks on a business card that's all I it looks care about pretty bad, call yeah. me Patrick Bateman I'm only interested in the b-
1: absolutely <laughs> anyway so this was written by the Bee Gees
2: oh really yeah. I did not know that
1: they just keep pumping out the songs don't they they, they were the pretty good Prolific. This is another good one. Um, Video clip to this. um, (laughs) Dinah Ross was 42 when this came out, but she looks about 25.
2: Well, she'd been kicking goals since you know the what 60s, 50s, probably. Absolutely. I mean, the video as like getting into it, like it starts out in black and white, like she did, and then moving up to the 80s and sort of blowing everyone's hair back. And as you say, she still looks young. I mean, she was famously young and absolutely. Black don't crack, I guess. Black don't crack, exactly. Sure I'm allowed exactly. to say that or not, but I do know that obviously, you know, Michael Jackson famously did so Obsessed with her <laughs> appearance that he cracked by trying to look like her. So, um, yeah, oh, I'm sure there's a rhyming thing that you could do with that, but it'd just be a, you know, lyric of, uh, it be a limerick of racism, and I can't be bothered with it. So, yeah. Absolutely.
1: Anyway. Look, it, it turns out that um, plastic faces can crack I guess depending on um, the pressure that they're put under obviously but um, so yeah uh, no she looks really young as you said great video clip Um, there's a stage that lights up it spins around and there's fireworks shooting out of it and um, in one point, she's wearing a pleather trench coat. So <laughs> You don't see enough. No, it's...
2: May I also add, I love that video. The sets are really fun. There was yep. my, there was one that I'd almost forgotten. It was my favourite of the 80s. Commonly used film and... Not film, but video clip and uh, musical performance on TV presentation yep. s- sets, which was the fake city skyline with the sort of street lamps in front of it, you know. And, like, honest to God, I think that we already talked about this, but I think when I was a kid, I just thought that all that happened, because of the amount of this stuff I absorbed when I was growing up in the 80s, I thought that all that happened when you were an adult was that you spent half your time alone in a blue apartment with fans blowing the curtains around, and then the other half of your life just standing on a street corner at midnight (laughs) in front of a city skyline, just flipping your coin up and down, you know, once waiting for some action, yeah, just coming oh, exactly. along. You know that's basically your life, <laughs> is, But I mean, yes. most people don't live like no, that. Most right. people have to, you know, do other
1: stuff. Indeed, indeed. But yeah, great video clip, great song. Um, it was it was a bit earlier than this. Yeah, it was. Um, that no, yeah, it was in the '70s. Sorry, that Diana Ross um, played Dorothy in The Wiz, um, the all-African-American uh, reinterpretation of The Wizard of Oz. So she was 33 at the time, which is an interesting choice because I believe that um, Dorothy um, is like 14 or something in the book. So let's just get a 33-year-old yes, it was, person It's quite to play. a loose
2: interpretation. I believe. Very
1: loose. Um, and Michael Jackson as the Scarecrow is one of the most harrowing things <laughs> you can see. Have you seen this film? I have. Oh, my goodness. Maybe I, maybe I should
2: see it. How, well, how would you describe him in this?
1: Oh, look, Michael Jackson, I don't ever think he was the strongest actor, um, but he is playing the scarecrow who doesn't have a brain. We all know the story of... Which makes no sense because he's he's obviously talking throughout the course of this film. He's chatting, he's going, oh, I don't have a brain. Opens his head up, it's full of garbage. He's like, oh, let's go and meet the wizard, etc. If he doesn't have a brain, how is he functioning at all? I don't really understand. It makes no sense. Um, plot point. There's a plot hole in The Wizard of Oz that I've always wanted to point out. There you go. Same with the tin man and the heart. You know, if you don't have a heart, you know, you don't have the requisite ability to pump blood through it's the body but no one's no one's brought this stuff up before but they're all they they're focusing too much on the wizard and you know behind the curtain and that sort of bullshit but um yeah so Michael Jackson the scarecrow it's, oh look it's it's pretty weird
2: and it's pretty bad i don't know does he uh, look like a scarecrow have they tried to make him look like a scarecrow they crow? have or they be- just gone with his natural look and gone he could stand in a cornfield and scare people away. oh
1: gee they didn't have to give him any makeup <laughs> you're absolutely right although this is this was in the 70s when yes, he actually did no, it real. i think my if they had have made the whiz in say 1996 no makeup, no makeup required. required he could have just stood him yeah you're right in a field and then nobody would have gone within you know 50 miles of him but um no they did Give him the the requisite makeup they needed because um, this cost twenty four million dollars to make, which oh in the seventies it was the most expensive film musical yeah. ever produced, um, and I'm it lost ten million.
2: Now. I've heard this was this is a. But this is a camp classic, speaking of Yeah, you know, absolutely camp, trying to define what makes it Yeah,
1: yeah. look, I saw it as a child And then I decided to watch it again <laughs> uh, Clearly like, I'm missing out Probably ten to. years ago or something Just to be like, because I remember as a kid going That was pretty weird, and it is pretty weird It is definitely a loose interpretation Diana Ross as a 33 year old Dorothy, I think, you know, pretty good mm. um, Michael Jackson, the Scarecrow Sort of pretty weird uh, <laughs> <laughs> don't really know <laughs> but alas, check it out if you want to see Diana Ross outside the realm of music. Tom, what sure. have you got for me?
2: Um, well, s- lyrics-wise, um, <laughs> we've got... Uh, we definitely... We're well in the pre-irony decade that I've <laughs> discussed in <laughs> yes. previous uh, things. Okay, this is just one snippet of this whole... There's a lot of words in this. This is not some repeat chorus, repeat verse thing. Um, okay, this is half of one verse... Get in the middle of a chain reaction. You get a medal when you're lost in action. I want to get your love all ready for the sweet sensation. Instant radiation. You let me hold you for the first explosion. We get a picture of our love in motion. So this is... So for half of one chorus... Sorry, actually just chorus. Half of one chorus... We've been in the middle of a chain reaction, we've died in a war, we've been given a medal, some random chick wants to get our love ready for the sweet sensation, I'm guessing that's some sort of glucose injection, we've been heavily irradiated, there's been a premature ejaculation incident, and she's taken photos already (laughs) before we are finished moving yet. That's half of one chorus. You know, we we got to invent a name for this kind of song where being in love is like having a nuclear explosion up your nose yep. on a spaceship flying into the sun while having oral sex with a gun to your head, you know, <laughs> in a barrel full of gunpowder giving off sparks, you know. Absolutely. Just, love has never been the same since the <laughs> 80s, I don't think. No. Maybe no. that's what the grunge decade was about, yeah. just the letdown when people realised that
1: you less know. strong metaphors in the grunge era, I think yes. like,
2: Yeah. No. Wow. I'm. Yeah, I'm thinking a less less explosive metaphor. Less, well.
1: much less explosive <laughs> metaphor. I think it was That's a
2: letdown. It was a generation who grew up listening to this and then fell in love and realised it was more like, you know, just yeah. getting some chips with someone you quite like as opposed to, you know...
1: Absolutely. Instant Absolutely.
2: radiation for the first explosion.
1: Well, look, it's, it's interesting because, you know, middle of the chain reaction, I, I don't know whether she's talking about the chain reaction, in an atomic reactor, you know, obviously, you know, splitting off some electrons and et cetera, et cetera. Um, And she talks about instant radiation and first explosion. So perhaps this song is just sort of, I guess, um, talking about the perils of nuclear war. It could be It could be a I assume secret it is it definitely is right, I'm sure. saying it right now This song no. is definitely about <laughs> The perils of nuclear war And okay. about nuclear disarmament I'm going to say she it now She was ahead of her time She was very much ahead of her time Absolutely So very political, Dina Ross um, 6.8 million listeners wow, Per month yeah. And that doesn't surprise me because she's got a lot of hits, this endless she's, love. She'd have like um, five,
2: no, four, four generations like of oh, yeah. fans, you know.
1: And this like, is just Diana Ross, I don't think this includes Supreme stuff, so there's just, there's just wall-to-wall him, yeah. songs. And you can pick this up um, for nine cents off Discogs. They would have printed it. I think it's a, Media, they would have made Media. a lot, but that's a pretty sweet deal, I think. Yeah, um, yeah. So there we go. Three weeks for that one. Um, Very nice. Up next is one of the the weirder ones, I think. Cliff Richard and the young ones, Living Doll. Six weeks. Six Six weeks. All right. Um, Now, it's almost impossible to think that a charity song recorded by a comedy group in conjunction with a, a serious artist... Could be a number one for six weeks in this day and age, I would say. I don't think you could see it again.
2: It's hard to say. I mean, you could imagine it happening in, like, you know, in the UK during the slower months of the year, somewhere with a smaller population. And Australia doesn't have a very big population, but this was a big hit here and in the UK. If there's anybody who doesn't know what this is, um, the, (laughs) The Young Ones was a short lived, very strange sort of punk sitcom from the UK in the early to mid 80s. And Cliff Richard was a sort of geeky kind of 60s, 70s boy kind of... One of those little sort of kind of Elvis, you know, smiley-faced, black-and-white, you know, uh, pop singers. The kind of guy who'd be twisting on a beach with Gidget, <laughs> you know, like that sort of... Yeah, like another... Like he would be been a contemporary of Diana Ross, but a million times yeah. less famous. He does have a very nice voice, but in the in the show... <laughs> one of one of the characters plays a sort of punk revolutionary guy, and the joke is that he his you know far out smash the state anti corporate guy that he loves listening to musically is Cliff Richard because yep. that's sort of the very opposite end of he's like the dorkiest person you could possibly like, but then the TV show became quite popular even though there's only I think there's only twelve episodes in existence that's all they made and yes so during that brief window that where that was popular they got cliff richard to come on and do a cover of one of his very old you know like i'm thinking early 60s songs uh which was one of his more famous ones in the uk anyway for charity so yeah that was way more explanation than this thing deserves but if you go to the effort of watching the video of this and you have no idea what the fuck's going on, then that's what's going on.
1: Yeah, I think um, it it is hard to sort of describe this to someone who might be too young to know who the young ones are... Um, But yeah, certainly, or Cliff Richard for that matter, exactly. Americans, I don't
2: think. No, the
1: Americans probably wouldn't know either. But I guess, yeah, the the comedy, I guess, is derived from the fact that you've got yeah this sort of punk sitcom versus a very straight, boring sort of singer, and they're doing a cover together. And I guess in the actual song, the young ones just sort of scream the chorus, don't they? Like he's
2: singing it normally. They're all in character, so yeah, they're just random. They're just going, going "Living doll," like that. The joke is that they're all ugly and weird, and he's this kind of smooth voiced crew yeah uh, oh american possibly might know him from wide for sound Absolutely was his yeah, biggest might, yep. global hit i think
1: and they was. might know rick Mail from uh drop dead fred yes he <laughs> was one of the young ones
2: and adrian Edison, yeah <laughs> drop dead fred is I think uh... Uh, uh, this is a bit weird now i i can't forget because i'm getting old now myself i sort of forget that you know younger audiences have access to the internet so they often know a lot of stuff that when i was True. young Yep. People in other countries did not have easy access to just any old thing that they wanted, so yep. people didn't know who Rick Mayall or Monty Python was overseas so much. But anyway,
1: yeah. Look, if if you haven't seen the young ones, and as Tom said, there's twelve half an hour episodes. So if you've got <laughs> if if you've got if you're at a loose end one weekend and want to watch the whole series in literally four or five, five six oh, hours, you probably can. And then why not go back to back with Bottom as well to check out I, half the cast um, love, in their next sitcom? Yeah, man. I which totally I also agree. enjoy.
2: I love the young ones, so I'll do them and everyone else the favour of shutting up about them. I oh, find yeah. that approach also works well with Monty Python and Radiohead. So. <laughs> Yeah. If, you, if you want to check it out, it's kind of fun, but yeah.
1: Absolutely. Um, do you think if Chris Lilly put on the blackface and did a duet with Little Nas X, it could get to number one for six weeks?
2: <laughs> I think there was about a three-month window in human history when that could have happened, but yeah. it might have worked. That three months is enough for your average Little Nas X One hit wonder, so I'll say sure,
1: absolutely right. Definitely is Chris Lilly cancelled. Um, not not by us, just by general, 100% (laughs) cancelled. I think they got a time machine and
2: went back and cancelled (laughs) him.
1: Yeah, it turns out that you can't just do racial stereotypes in blackface, um, and say that's what comedy is. The weirdest
2: thing about that was that this was not like him doing this. Out of view, and then becoming more popular later on in other countries, and then people going, "Oh, what's this nonsense that he did yeah. before he got over here?" That was his breakout. This that was his attempt to cross over to an American audience was to do a sort of blackface. You know, yep. Um, what's his name? Uh, that rapper in the the show. That yeah, no, but it's like a, a little bow wow, like oh, to yeah. do it like a. <laughs> A 32-year-old Australian man, oh, yeah. white man, putting on blackface and pretending to be a sort of little bow-wow kind of stunted 16-year-old stupid... Yes. With, with some poor African-American guy playing his dad. I don't know how much they paid that guy. I hope that was a lot. Yeah. But yeah, anyway. Yeah, terrible. Um, oh, he also just... Sideline in that same show, he played a Chinese mother as well, which went about as well as you'd expect. Anyway. Well, he played a Chinese character in his first show as well, didn't he? I think. Yeah. yeah so. What I mean is, those older ones, you're like, yeah, this was sort of, you know, before this stuff was getting quite as much spotlight pointed at it but <laughs> man alive absolutely good time he so thought he yeah. was invincible you know he flew too close to the blackface sun he flew to uh, Icarus <laughs> do Icarus.
1: not fly too close to the sun or your waxy wings shall melt but um, maybe he needs to do that get on the phone to little Nas X and say bro Mm. Can you revitalise my career with a duet? I'll I keep reckon. the blackface off. Give it know. a couple
2: of years and I reckon Little Nas might be career-wise in the mood for... Something. For
1: a, <laughs> a Chris collab. Yeah, let's hope. Let's um, hope. Alright, 1.5 mil for for Cliff uh, Richard oh, yeah. on the Spotify. Um, his audience is frankly gradually dying well, that's, off a quiet bit Yeah, that's true. His, his core audience probably have all of these songs on 78-inch... Uh, shellac, Tom, and can just yeah. listen to that. You don't need Spotify when you have the vinyl. He also um,
2: belonged to that slightly depressing generation who were obviously gay but were not allowed to be publicly yeah. gay. So you know, and then he turned into one of those weird born again Christian type people. I think he was always Christian, but it became more and more prominent in his work as he got older. So he was treading this weird Alan Jones style tightrope between a very conservative audience and his own actual lifestyle yeah yeah. he had a beautiful voice though and I will say one thing for this listening to four idiot comedians screaming the background lyrics next to his voice really throws into sharp relief how lovely his voice is it's a beautiful voice
1: Absolutely go check this one out. Watch it on YouTube if you haven't seen it before. Uh, I think I think people will enjoy it possibly. Who possibly. knows. <laughs> watch the young ones, watch an episode watch of the young that. ones. I think
2: yeah. I'm pretty sure they're all on YouTube just yeah, watch yeah. One. Watch um, Bambi. That's fantastic.
1: Uh, 35 cents for this. 35 cents. Yeah. yeah.
2: Discogs probably probably what you'd expect. So it was uh, the charity was What was it? Oh, Um, yeah. Comic Relief, I think. Yeah, which just is a... I think they're Amnesty International, maybe. Yep. All right, um, lyrics-wise, it may be a novelty song, but the novelty part is the best thing about this and the Cliff's voice, because absolutely, because this is an older song, but nothing in this original (laughs) song has aged well. It's called Living Doll, for fuck's sake. Uh, (laughs) One of the... uh, One of the best oh, no I mean just seriously the lyrics for this are fucking awful it show, <laughs> it really shows how like just misogynist so a lot of those old sort of cheerful pop stuff actually was uh, the, one of the verses is take a look at her hair it's real and if you don't believe what I say just feel gonna lock her up in a trunk so no big hunk can come and steal her away it's just <laughs> no <a> big hunk <laughs> So just he's literally just saying my girlfriend is a physical object that I'm going to put in a box so no other man can borrow it like and if you think her hair's fake just touch it see it through man I don't know look there's all sorts of weird politics going on there but we'll leave it alone and just say some shit has not aged well <laughs>
1: absolutely all right so up next um 23 June for two weeks Robert Palmer addicted to love. This is a hit.
2: Oh, it's one of my.
1: I'm going to say this is a fucking hit. From
2: this era, certainly.
1: Absolutely. Um, Look, this has one of the most well known video clips
2: of the 80s, would you say? Oh, yes, absolutely. In fact, uh, yeah. Oh. Hang on. Was that? I can't. I'm sorry, I'm losing track of who's. (laughs) No, yeah. Oh, no, it is. Yes, please continue.
1: Oh, yeah, look, it's basically just Robert Palmer, the models in their sort of, um, yeah, I guess, you know, like quite overdone makeup, I guess, sort of dresses, playing the song, and then he did it again, sort of very similar themes for another yes. um, video in clip fact, subsequent that, to yeah. that, which is probably, possibly more well-known than this. But it yeah, was look.
2: such a big hit that they used it in three other videos, three other in videos. fact, I looked them yeah. up, there's um, Simply Irresistible, which, which was basically like... Oh, well, not to get into it, but I mean, uh, like, watching this video again, I like, I've like i seen this a million times, but it's been a while since I've watched it, so I re-watched it, and this is the first of the four ones yep. with the models, and it was obviously so successful that they used it again, but if you watch it again, it's funny because... I remember this being considered quite racy at the time, but if yep. you watch it now, it looks like it cost about 50 bucks. They are literally <laughs> yeah. playing in front of just a drop cloth yeah. with a picture of the sunset on the background. The, just even their models, there's only five of them. Their dresses don't match and aren't risque at all. Like Half of them are just straight up neck to knee, yep. just black dresses. Their guitars don't match. There's absolutely no choreography. Everyone's off the beat and just sort of wandering, wobbling vaguely around. Yep. But, like, it was 1985 and this was hot shit. So hot that, in fact, that they just went, fuck it, let's do exactly the same thing again next yep. video, but with more money, three times as many women, and some cleavage, which is simply ir- irresistible.
1: Yeah, simply irresistible. This is, I guess... Like a demo video clip almost. Yes, and it's, it's like the Evil 2. It's Evil Dead like the 2. <laughs> Evil Dead Dead 2. Dead uh, Dead yeah. Personally,
2: I'm more of a fan of the Change His Ways video in which the models are animated ducks ah. and they still manage to get butt naked somehow in a three-minute video because they, these cartoonists are all total pervs. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: <laughs> Absolutely right. So, no, this is... Um, look, the song itself is a powerhouse. Um, you might as well it face if you're rules. addicted to yeah. love. It still rules. It It's... One of the better ones, definitely one of the better ones of this year by far, I'd say. Um, Yeah, thoroughly enjoy this one. Robert Palmer, RIP, but hey. Oh, yeah, I forgot about Um, that. Look, you know, he may have left this earth, but he has left us behind uh, a treasure trove of hits, and this is one of them. (laughs)
2: Yeah, um, Chuck Khan was supposed to be on this, but yep. a label wouldn't let her. <laughs> uh, the lead guitar is Andy Taylor from Duran Duran, who Rob Palmer used to be in a band with. Nice. And the other guitarist is Eddie Martinez, who was one of those session musicians who played with everyone rad from the era you could possibly name. Lou Reed, Mick Jagger, Meatloaf, Run DMC, David Lee Roth, Blondie. Like, so there's no wonder it's still fucking catchy. Absolutely. Yeah, I think, um, oh, dang it, it's not going to work now it was a famous musician from the era who they asked him in an interview one time if there was any song that he wished he'd written and he said that it was this he said it's yeah. just about perfect I reckon from this era yeah. anyway but yeah
1: yeah it's um no it, it's a good song definitely it's sort of um, yeah I mean Robert Palmer uh, had quite a long career before sort of in bands as you mentioned the guy he was in a band with the guy from Duran Duran before he sort of went solo but even at this stage like he's sort of you know like you don't have a lot of older guys doing sort of popular pop songs these days. Like no. if you watch the top hits of today, it seems to be younger guys, but yeah, he's certainly an older guy that came along. Good voice, good song. He was um, handsome too. It helps. Up, yeah. He's
2: a good looking dude.
1: Absolutely, so no, I thoroughly enjoy this one. 3.1 mil on the Spotify, which doesn't surprise me, because as you said, he also has, yeah, some of those other hits that you talked about. Yeah, um, 44 cents, that's the deal of the century, go out and buy one now. Sure. Just, I don't know what you're doing tomorrow, but yeah. just cancel your plans, get onto Discogs, pick up as many Addicted to Loves at 44 <laughs> cents as you can, because I predict this is going to be, you know, like Bitcoin. <laughs> this is going through the fucking roof. 44 cents today, this could be worth $1,000 Next year, so... There sure.
2: You go. Uh, lyrics, everyone already knows the lyrics, yep. right? You know the lyrics. Oh, yeah. Sure. You might as well face it, you're addicted to love. I forgot how, like, you know, it's not... Seeing them in totality, I forgot exactly how cocaine-based these obviously are. <laughs> I know, it's become so obvious that we barely need to say it, but this song truly is like three verses of just describing using cocaine but it's mm. love your lights are on but you're not home your will is not your own your heart sweats your teeth grind like you know only the 80s could make being in love sound like having a brutal terminal coke habit yep but um <laughs> yeah, you know i suppose it's better than exploding into the heart of the sun but maybe not maybe i'd take that over the coke habit but yeah. it, it basically makes being in love sound quite unpleasant <laughs> yeah know? Absolutely. Which was a uh, theme continued. Now I think about it by Bon Jovi with uh, you Give Love a Bad Name." Absolutely, and, <laughs> shot uh, through probably, the
1: heart, <laughs> and probably bad medicine as well. Maybe I don't <laughs> yes. know. So, I think bad medicine as being the same. Song. Oh, look, I think they probably are. <laughs> um, definitely, but look, I don't know. Like, if you're addicted to love, what do you prescribe? Hang somebody on,
2: was Doctor Doctor. Give me the news. That's Robert Palmer, isn't it? Yeah, yeah got bad, bad case, case of loving, loving you, you, Jesus. Yeah, I absolutely. think he was trying to tell us something here. Yep. I think he was just secretly Doctor. trying to talk about his <laughs> cocaine habit here <laughs> because obviously the guy had some fucking problem.
1: Absolutely right. Yeah, for sure. I don't know whether they... Is, is there rehab for
2: people that are addicted to
1: love, Tom? I know obviously <laughs> all the drugs, um, you know, sex addicts, drug addicts. There's, there's places for these people addicted mm. to love. I'm not quite sure, but uh, maybe somebody should start a... Robert Palmer named institution, the Robert Palmer for Love Addiction sort of, you know, house sure. where people can go that are addicted to love to you sort of find a cure. Moved back
2: to Launceston in the 90s where there wasn't anyone female uh, under 50 or over 18. In the FP. <laughs> That, that might help. That Can will you?
1: cure your addiction to love but when you're not, un, unable to meet somebody to fall in love with, I guess. So, absolutely right. Well, let's base that Addicted to Love Robert Palmer Clinic in Launceston. <laughs> sure. Um, I'm going to say Waverley. Waverley. suburb of mm. Waverley. Is <laughs> that, the, is that the, the suburb with the least love in all of Launceston, probably? Well,
2: there were some people who were addicted to love in Ravenswood, but I think it was... Uh... More of a chemical dependency than anything
1: else. All right, good, good. All right, Um, moving on. Um, So next, seventh of July for three weeks. Your favorite, Samantha Fox. Touch me bracket. I want your body end bracket. (laughs) Now, if you don't know Samantha Fox, um, prior to this song, Tom, uh, she was a model. I see. She did some modelling. Um, what
2: kind of model? Well, A high-end supermodel? Yeah, not, not
1: quite. Not quite that. But so in 1983, um, at the age of 16, um, her mother submitted some photographs that she'd taken of her daughter in lingerie to the Sunday People's newspapers' Girl of the Year Amateur Modelling Contest. So mm-hmm. mum takes some photos of her daughter in lingerie, which happens. Um, She came in second place out of 20,000 entrants and the photographs drew her to the attention of the Sun newspaper, um, which invited her to pose for page three. Mm -hmm. Now, page three in the UK... You pose topless, Um, at least I don't know whether they still have this. page three of a
2: national newspaper. Um,
1: Absolutely. So she's 16, but fortunately her parents gave her consent to do that. And her first photograph appeared in The Sun on the 22nd of February, 83. She actually signed a four-year deal, won page three girl of the year from 1984 to 1986 every year and is recognised as one of the most popular pin-up girls of her era. So that's the type of modelling she was doing, topless modelling in newspapers. Mm -hmm. And to me, Tom, this demonstrates a difference between young people in the 80s and Gen Z today. (laughs) Kids these days... Aren't interested in lingerie photo shoots with their parents, which I think is just sad. You know, it's just a bit of good old fashioned fun these right. days. There's a, there's a certain narcissism, isn't there? The kids are up there in their bedrooms. They're doing their you know lingerie selfies for yeah, for Instagram it's a and me, Facebook. Me, me these days it is. It's when me, you're me, taking me.
2: Underage naked pictures of yourself.
1: Oh, exactly. They're setting up you know doing some nude photographs, setting up an, an OnlyFans account, and posting me. them online, doing all that themselves away from the family. Whereas Back in the day, it was a family activity. You said, Mum, I want to do some lingerie shots. She'd go down to Kmart, she'd get the lingerie, she'd take the photos for you, get granddad around, you know, there you go. Um,
2: and that's what it was about. It's the wholesome underage nudity, you know, wholesome. that I miss, you know. And it's weird too, because you'd think after the example of the Kardashians, that yep. people would be into, you know, intergenerational Making your own sex tapes and getting your <laughs> mum to put them out, you know, Absolutely and ending up being right. a billionaire. But apparently, that's just an example that people aren't taking, you know. No, for sure. Like I think... you say, it's all me, me, me. Oh, look at my OnlyFans, you know. And then your mum's like, "Can I get involved with making child porn?" They're like, "No, this is my child. It's porn. my exactly. Get right. it out of my
1: room, mum. For sure, for sure. And I think Samantha Fox, you know, she was more open to just sort of saying, "Hey." I want the family involved. And these days, you know, not... Look, back in her day, obviously there was no Facebook, there was no Instagram, but today... There was every, Rupert Murdoch. There, there was Rupert, and Rupert Murdoch. he was willing
2: to give a prospective child pornographer a national platform. Exactly. So if you wonder, how did Rupert Murdoch get to own the world? It's child pornography... Yeah, exactly The national right. platform was that's where he came from, for so. sure,
1: for sure, for sure. I mean, and that's look, that's because obviously that was the only platform she had. But you got to you say, Rupert, thank you for providing before social media, before the internet existed. <laughs> some you know they needed an outlet for that. Rupert provided that. And look, these days people are doing things, you know, just for the likes, for the followers, you know, to try and monetize stuff, to be an influencer. Yeah. But she wasn't doing that. Samantha Fox was doing this for her art just for her love for the medium, for modelling, and, you know, I salute her. To make accalita. Rupert
2: murdoch yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. A, it was a charity, really. Yeah, She was doing sure. it, yeah.
1: And doesn't this just also show, you know, the difference between how progressive the UK is <laughs> compared to Australia? The British embraced the aspirations of Samantha Fox. She was 16. All she wanted to do was pose topless, as you said, Tom, in a national newspaper. They accepted her with open arms. They let her live her dream. And I just sort of feel that in Australia we'd consider looking at the breasts mm. of what is effectively a child in a national newspaper as
2: being inappropriate. And we'd try and put a stop to that. That's but true. not in the UK. They respected her art. Um, no. I mean, Rupert Murdoch's Australian, but he had to go to the UK for his art to be truly respected. Yeah, exactly And right. he is an artist.
1: And for sure, it just shows you know how prudish we are in Australia that we don't <laughs> want to look at the breasts of children in the newspapers. We're in the UK, they say. We're happy to do that. So, yeah, absolutely. It just shows how forward-thinking they are. But... Yeah, so Samantha Fox, um, That was that's a backstory, I guess, sure. that she got into nude yes. modelling thanks to her family taking the photos and distributing them on a Rupert Murdoch but platform. But as we can see here,
2: it was really just a stepping stone to her ongoing, lifelong musical career, Absolutely Begin began right here with touch me brackets I want your body in bracket
1: Yeah now the video clip to this is one of the finest of the era um, I mentioned before that Diana Ross was what about 45 in that video But looked about 25 Samantha Fox here's 19 but looks about 45 Because <laughs> she sort of has the biggest hair that you've ever seen And wearing some like sort of acid wash denim it's, jacket She just yeah. looks significantly older than
2: 19 <laughs> She does they grow up, anyone who comes in contact with Rupert Murdoch grows up pretty fast. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah. One, one small question, sidebar. Yeah. yeah. In the 80s, what was the job description of the person who went around pouring water onto snare drums? <laughs> yeah, that's a fair question. Um... Was that the key group? I guess I, I, he was probably the key group.
1: Yeah, is just, that a full time job? Because I think you it wouldn't. Would have wouldn't, been it at that time, been, yeah,
2: definitely. You know, he would have been as easy to find work as the guy who set up giant, slowly rotating fans in front of spotlights. Absolutely. And yeah. the person who uh, sourced blue curtains to put in front of the slowly rotating fan, for <laughs> sure. If you lived in LA in the eighties, you could just
1: you know have a, all you needed was a car and a jug. Mm. Full of water, and you can yep. just go around to For, various music video clips from Glam Metal Music Video. Yep. Pouring. Crew.
2: Sorry, HG's guys, I've got to head off. White Snake filming a video on the other side of town. Absolutely. I've got to get there to pour a jug of water on and, this. And, uh,
1: you know, I can't party with you guys tonight. I've got to get on the plane tomorrow to London to do Samantha Fox's Touch Me. I want yes. your body because. <laughs> I'm the best, you know, pouring water onto snare guy there is. Um, and they only want the best for this video clip. But you're right, yeah, a lot of water being poured onto the snares in slow motion. Um, the, the choreography in this clip is fantastic. Um, wow. Looks like the music video was done in about 15 minutes. Um, and there's a shot of the guitarist flicking his mullet in slow motion,
2: not once, but twice. So oh, yes, nice. mullet to back. watch, this is mullets everywhere. Yep. I mean, there is a strange phenomenon where... You know, people have forgotten about this because people don't no longer try and make simply the largest hair they can possibly obtain. Yeah. But there's a strange phenomenon where if you're tall, a giant haircut makes you look huge. But if you were like four foot six and you get a haircut half the size of your own body, it weirdly makes you look smaller, not bigger. You look like a badger sitting on the shoulders of a mole rat sort of thing. And, you know, they call it the Bon Jovi syndrome. And that's exactly what's happening here because she just looks very small. Like a sort of person struggling under the weight of some sort of haystack. Uh, Yeah. But I'll give her credit for this. There is no boobs or sexualization None. in this video, really. In fact, it's so scant, it's so it's so lacking in boobs that at one point they zoom it like ripped jeans were the fashion at the time. At one point, there's like a, <laughs> almost touching her on the ass close up of her oh, butt yeah. because there's like one little ripped part across her butt. But that's not her fault. I'm thinking no. that you can she, see some
1: under cheek through yeah, a ripped jean. Yes, I think
2: she's had enough of. Uh, being, you know, on Rupert Murdoch's desk with her top off, yeah. you know, school report on the other hand, you know, asking if she can do extra homework when she gets home. And she's decided that when she's her music video comes out, she wants to not be, you know, some random skank in her underpants. She wants to be a rocker. So there's no, you know, there's no boobs in this video whatsoever. Like, she just kind of seems to be doing a kind of weird glam metal sort of pastiche, double denim, giant hair, people rocking out. The only problem is that this is not really a rock song by any stretch of imagination. Certainly not a glam metal song. Certainly not. Even by the loose standards (laughs) of what constituted metal and glam in 1986. Yep. So, yeah, but, you know... This isn't as hard as poison. Um, Call me, you know, not a horrible sexist, but, like... I I actually felt for her a bit there, like this looked like someone who'd clearly put her foot down and said, look, I'm not going to just wear my underpants in this video because she easily could have. And instead they're so desperate for a bit of ass that they've zoomed on like a tiny little bit of under bum crack like which that she probably didn't even realize they were doing they were probably she was probably getting lunch at the craft services table and they just zoomed in for her.
1: Oh look Tom this uh, much like her modeling career this is just wholesome family fun <laughs> i think this song touch me probably holding hand touch oh, that's, touch me that's on the, the hand other problem with like my that, theory
2: but... here is the lyrics but again not written by her no <laughs> so, no, no look a um, um, lot of can't uh, blame that entirely on her absolutely look i, I think um, in terms
1: of the uh, the the touching you know i think the rest of the song is sort of like going oh it is quite wholesome it's okay maybe it is just a nice song you know touch me i want your body for sort of i'm cold a bit of a cuddle something like that um and then you do get to one of the (laughs) latter verses where we have the lyrics like a tramp in the night i'm begging you to treat my body like you wanted to um and that's followed by and her moaning very loudly, like she's getting banged, while the guitarist positions the guitar like it's a massive dick and starts thrusting it wildly. So, mm.
0: not mm. sure whether there's any metaphor <laughs> there
1: or at all, but um, I yeah, I can't detect it. No, I'm no, sure. that guitarist, um, yeah, the positioning of the guitar and the thrusting, red hot though. I got to say,
2: yeah, I can't play that around because she did not write the lyrics to this. As you also can't blame on her, the lyric, I was hunting you down and I was the bait. Yeah. That's uh, not how hunting works. Just, <laughs> you know. Anyway. Absolutely. If you're out looking for tramps, you'd think you'd know that already, but clearly yeah. the uh, this is one of those songs as well where you look up the songwriters and it's like three dudes oh like, yeah, yeah really it took it's three, three people write to write this
1: absolutely <laughs> it sounds like something you could pen in 15 minutes oh, yeah. but if you haven't seen the video clip jump on because as we've mentioned as Tom's mentioned um, there's water uh, on a snare drum there is really big hair there's denim there's a bit of a look onto an ass cheek um, then she swings on a rope for a bit <laughs> she for does. Know that's reason. the dramatic ending um, finale she oh, she throws a glass of water at the drummer just to show that she's having a bit of fun and then the keyboardist does... So many slow mo <laughs> spins in a tasseled cowboy jacket that I think I was about to pass out from getting dizzy. It was just constant rotating that guy just around and around. And those tassels, I mean, I don't know if you were standing, you, could in, someone's eye you out. absolutely could. I'm surprised the drummer isn't blind from this. Maybe that's why she was throwing water at him to sort of go, "Oh, you got a tassel in the eye." Here's a glass of water. Hopefully, we can clear some of that, you know, pleather or whatever it was made of from the eye. So, um, look. Everything about this is peak 80s for me. I think it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, and I like her backstory. It's just a fun-loving I'll girl. say
2: to her, I'll, I'll give her... I mean, I can't read too much into this, but she can't have had too much of a tragic existence because in looking for this video, I noticed there's a 2010 performance of this at some outdoor festival in Norway. It looks yeah. like a fairly wholesome thing. There's, like, little kids around and stuff like that. But it's a big crowd, and she runs out looking... Yeah, you know, looking great, looking very healthy. She, yeah. you, can, you remember again, she's like four foot eight tall. Yeah. But so is Kylie Minogue. And she does this song to quite some applause. There's kids singing along and stuff like that. She looks like someone who's, you know, I hope she uh, lived her best life and got over having been in physical contact with Rupert Murdoch at some point.
1: Absolutely. So she's got 300,000 monthly listeners on Spotify, probably because she doesn't have a lot of hits, but this one's pretty good. Go listen to this, get her numbers up, you know, do yeah. that for her, um, and you can pick this up on Discogs for two cents, which is the lowest just, the lowest wow. we've had so far.
2: It's almost as low as you can go. Yeah, you it, is, it is absolutely <laughs> as low as you can go
1: for sure. Because it's probably one oh, pent It's probably for sale for one pent and then that equates. They were to going Australian to build
2: a so. statue to her in Eastern Europe. I hope they. That well, yes. that's fantastic. Like, much like the statue of Rocky that exists in the Nice. Yeah. Anyway. Um, look, if
1: there's one takeaway for this from young people from Samantha Fox, I. Just want to say, look. A lot of people talk about the degradation of the family unit, and a lot of that I say rests on the shoulders of young people. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're up in your room doing nude selfies, just think for one second. Maybe, just maybe, I should ask my parents to get involved with this, much like Samantha Fox did. Sure. And you'll see that things can be a family affair. You know, <laughs> you can do things together as you know, a daughter, father, mother, brother. Everyone can do those things together. You know. Sure. So, um, and if it happens in a national newspaper, then
2: the police don't even have to get involved. All you know? the
1: better. Exactly. So thank you, Sam. That's pretty good. Um, great song. Two cents. Buy it. <laughs> great. Who's up next? Um, Whitney Houston, Greatest Love of All, for one week. Now, this is pretty boring. Um, is it? Or is it... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. Oh, yeah, okay.
2: Yeah. I'm sorry.
1: So, that's all right, Tom. See, so this is problematic. The, the problem with this is, Tom, you've got Sam Fox for a week.
2: Oh, then I Then Whitney see. pops yes. in
1: for a week then people go fuck that Whitney Houston song's boring as shit then they go out and buy more Samantha Fox that's so true. she pops back they decided for a couple of weeks more. to
2: touch her body
1: exactly I saw the All video right. clip and went fucking hell I'm going to buy 8 <laughs> copies of that because that's pretty good I need that to be at the top of the charts Ah, so, so, so Whitney yeah Houston Whitney Houston one week in the middle look I think Whitney Houston's 80s output is generally fantastic there's a lot of bangers in there you can't argue with fan. her voice she's an amazing singer very good voice um, I like Sort of more of the upbeat, sort of, um, yeah. you know, stuff like how, do, how you know, how will I know if he really loves me? Mm. Those sorts of ones. They're she would have kicked ass with chain Reaction, for oh, instance. Yeah. She, I could totally imagine her banging that out. So, a lot of great songs that Whitney's done for me. This isn't one of them, this is just sort of greatest love of all. Pre- I'm, I'm pretty bored. It is a cover of an old song, I believe. Tom, yep. is that correct? It yeah. is,
2: um, yep. yeah, and you can tell it's covering an old song. Because the first line is, I believe the children are our future. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know. Good. Unfortunately, it wasn't, you know, brought out of the fucking arc, which is what it would have to be to make that line not shit. But there you yeah. go. Yes. No, it's covering an old song that nobody cares about.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, I don't care about this. Um, how Will I Know, that I just mentioned previously, that was... Um, the single that preceded this one off her album and that was number one in the US but only reached number two in Australia so we don't get to talk That's about it unfortunately but it's a lot fun better song. song yeah a lot more fun a lot better look I'm not going to talk a lot about this one because um, it's boring as all shit um, Whitney Houston 13 cents you can buy this for oh, off yeah. the Discogs but um, Whitney's got a few more bangers coming up I think or at least some other songs yeah. coming up so we can talk about more about Whitney later um Particularly um, when she did an interview on TV and said crack is whack. (sighs) So you may recall Uh, that.
2: If only she'd stuck to that.
1: Yeah, definitely. RIP. Unfortunately, she is um, passed away, which is a sad. But
2: this does serve to remind perhaps younger people how long that she was at the top of the game for. Like, you know... She really was kind of like the next generation's Diana Ross. Like, she'd kick goals for 20 years, you know, like, and yeah,
1: anyway. Absolutely, for sure. So, that's good. So, yeah, one week of that, then a couple more weeks of Sam Fox, I Want Your Body, then. 4th of August, Madonna, uh, Papa Don't Preach. Uh, yes, here we go. Um, Papa six Don't weeks. Preach. Papa, yep, six weeks of this. Um I've got some action from the sex book, Tom, but do you have sure. something else you want to talk about
2: first? Um, well, this was co-written by a guy called Brian Elliott. So unlike yep. some of the Donna stuff from this era, she did write part, right? Hmm. Brian Elliott said he was inspired by two teenagers gossiping outside his studio window. So, <laughs> you know, I suppose we should be grateful we didn't get his earlier attempts. Papa, God, Karen is such a slut. Or Papa, I got fingered at bus stop by Rodney from Year 11. Fuck off, you did not. He's such a spunk. I know, right? Which was <laughs> a bit long. I think you know Papa Don't Preach probably a bit more <laughs> it's concise, succinct.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yep, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, I mean, so what, what's this song about? I don't, so you know, she's she's made up her mind. She's keeping the baby. So is, it, is, it, is she pregnant or is she keeping like the is the is her her baby her boyfriend?
2: No, no, no. It's definitely she's up the. She's duff. talking about up the duff. Yep. She's saying to her dad, "I'm pregnant and I'm staying with that guy who you've already met. You fucking hated him and told yep. me not to be with him, but I don't care." Now I want your help, even though, given all of that, I'm keeping the baby. And yeah, like, lyrically, the more interesting question I reckon is, uh, because this is, like Madonna herself, um, this is kind of a microcosm of that whole thing, she sort of goes into and out of feminist favour (laughs) as the (laughs) years go by. And, like, this song is a good example. Like, do you reckon the song is, like, is it a feminist... In the sense that she's telling her dad that she's made up her mind and she just wants some advice from him, like not up to him. She's you know if she's saying or is being not feminist because she's talking about keeping a baby from some sketchy dude up the road, yep. And also has to get her dad involved or see is it not really interesting enough to be either of those <laughs> things? I mean, it's a very there is no nuance or subtlety here no. beyond people reading feminism into it. You know, like you know. is
1: uh, is uh, Madonna's lyrics discussed in feminist circles?
2: Well, they were. Yep. Like, Madonna was definitely discussed in feminist circles, certainly at the time. I think Camille Paglia was a big fan. Mm. Like, uh, yeah, because she was sort of young and contentious. But she always seemed like she was very in charge of her image and was doing it all very deliberately. Yep. Like, even this song, it doesn't, as opposed to Like a Virgin, it doesn't fit into her whole Catholic, guilt Madonna, the whore thing. Yep. Except in the sense of being, you know, like that, contentious about an unwanted pregnancy, you know, talking to your father and that sort of thing. It does. So she's clever enough to be able to see something which, as a 30-year-old woman, sounds a bit weird to be seeing about, you know, some school kids talking about how they got pregnant by Davo up the road. Yep. But she knows that this does fit into her image. Like, she can, you know, she's a canny operator, so, yeah.
1: Absolutely. Whether
2: it's feminist or not, I'm obviously the wrong gender (laughs) to... Yeah,
1: (laughs) but they probably, yeah, I mean, as you said, in in the past, you know, feminist circles have discussed these... Well, they probably don't discuss them so much these days, Tom, because they're, they're busy discussing, say... I don't know Cardi B or Nicki Minaj lyrics to have to worry sure. about sort of Madonna. So obviously they're at the very vanguard of yeah, feminist ideals.
2: Standards. This doesn't sound that bad. Exactly. Does it right. Really, Went she's up, just pussy, about so getting pregnant and keeping it really. For sure, for sure. So look, Tom. Um, I don't have much
1: more to say, but I will quickly, um, look. Just cut to the sex book because I think there's something very poignant, <laughs> sure. um, important that uh, we can sort of sex book. talk about here. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I, I think, um, yeah. <laughs> Have you done any excerpts? I do a good essay here, Tom. Um, Here we go. I had sex with someone who wasn't grossly obese, but he was pretty overweight. It was the first and last time. I really liked this guy a lot. He was handsome, but he was overweight. I wanted to be unbiased because I really liked him, but the only way I could fuck him was on top because he crushed me. (laughs) I had to sit on him because his stomach was in the way. That must be what it's like to fuck a pregnant woman. They always say that women aren't into appearance as much as men are, but it's not true. I think women are just as moved by appearance, but they're willing to accept a situation where the man is less attractive because of who because of the sorry, because of the who earns the bread situation. There are so many women with the ugliest guys. I swear to God, if they didn't have money, forget it. Two hundred and fifty pounds, 5'7", bald, disgusting, misogynist pigs. Deep down inside, the, these women know, but they aren't going to tell anybody. If I see someone who's not necessarily conventionally beautiful, I can still be attracted based on their intellect or whatever, but fat is a big problem for me. It sets off something
2: in my head that says, overindulgent pig. So Madonna's just <laughs> fat shaming now. See, I mean, just in case anyone was thinking that I'm being offensive really, earlier, that's Madonna there being simultaneously misogynist, misandressed, fat shaming. Yep. And just generally insulting to everyone who's not Madonna in oh, the whole yeah. world, whilst supposedly trying to be erotic. Keep in mind that's, that's not some a, no. newspaper article she's writing about owning fat no, people. No. That's a book about sex. It's, a, she's it's trying to turn you on.
1: It's an erotic <laughs> coffee table um, uh, tome, I guess you'd say, Tom. And here we are with that. So so far we've learnt that. Um, yeah, I guess if you're in an abusive relationship, it's because you like it. Um, it's okay to have sex with children and um, fat shaming. So there's yes. a lot of. Anyone who's with stuff.
2: someone less attractive than them is only after them for their money. Yep. And also, fat people don't deserve to get laid because they're fug. Do you
1: think in Papa Don't Preach when she got pregnant and she's keeping the baby <laughs> that she also got crabs <laughs> from the
2: guy that she banged? Because she well, did imply that. I am implied. hoping that next year, when there's another Madonna song, that you'll give me another sex book. <laughs> oh, anecdote Tom, which will hopefully. About Plenty more to come. Getting crabs from another fat child or
1: something uh, like that. Well I assume that the last story in the book will be a culmination of all the rest where she gets crabs from a fat child that also beats her, but she's sort of happy in that relationship. Because he's
2: rich, yeah. Yeah,
1: exactly. So anyway. good. Um so that was for six weeks and then off the back of that, sorry, seven cents you can get that for sure um, and how um, many followers? Thirteen point eight million. Wow, so she's got she's got, she's got yeah. a lot, absolutely. Um, so off the back of that, 15th of September for seven weeks, mm-hmm. that's almost two full months, Rama uh, with Venus. I love this song. Absolutely. Now, this is a cover of the Dutch band Shocking Blue. It is indeed. Now, Shocking Blue also wrote Love Buzz, which was the first song that Nirvana released as a single uh. back in the day. So it really just, I think... Um, I've always submitted that uh, Banana Rama were the original grunge band, and I think this backs it up. They were the ones that said, "Let's do covers of obscure Dutch bands" um, a couple of years before Nirvana did. So
2: there you go. Sure. I mean, during the '90s, I think I heard that every single band on the entire planet of human history was the original grunge band. So yep. it may as well be Banana Rama. I found this slightly interesting because. Uh, the Dutch band Shocking Blue were, that was the same year, this came out, the original came out the same year as um, Jefferson Airplane started. Really? And if you look at pictures of the two bands, you could just it randomly interchange members of them. They look like almost exactly the same band. I mean, everyone had the same haircut in 1969, but nonetheless, like, yeah. And, oh man, I've got to say, I friggin' love this song, for real. It's a great. The original has a great organ line and that's not three words you hear very often, especially anywhere near the doors. Like, you know. So, yeah. So, the original was 1969. Nice. Still Absolutely. rules. Yeah, look, this uh, is good. This is off their first album. Yeah. And it's, speaking of, it's still pretty fun. If you go back and listen to that band, it's way more sort of psych, country, blues than this would yep. suggest.
1: Banana Rama is a, a sick name for a band as well, isn't it? I like it, <laughs> it so is. I think it works. you sort of listen you look at it and go that's fucking stupid but then you go actually it's kind of cool
2: yeah it, and it, it, I thought it was originally I just thought it was some silly sort of jokey kind of thing, but apparently they were inspired by I think they were at art school together mm. or something similar and they were inspired by the Brian Ferry song Pajama Rama ah, okay. yes yeah um, from Roxy
1: music yeah, absolutely. Um, I also learned that um, Banana Rama in the early days, they were kicked out of where they were living. They were about to be made homeless, and then they befriended uh, Paul Cook, who's the Sex Pistols drummer.
0: Oh uh, yeah!
1: And he um, so that he, so Banana Rama, the members were, were friends with the Sex Pistols, and then he allowed them to stay. Above their Former rehearsal room Oh yeah So they lived there While they were Sort of up and coming um, Which I think Sort of backs up My theory That um, Banana Rama Were the original Punk band <laughs> So <laughs> It's there are the original Grunge mm. band And the original Punk band That's impressive it's, it's very impressive They were able to Pull that off Now look I think um, This is a great song As we've talked about Is it as good as Robert De Niro's Waiting <laughs> Talking Italian.
2: I always thought that was a bit odd. Like, was he... Was that... Was, like, legitimately... Were they into Robert De Niro? Or were they just dicking about, do you reckon? Apparently... Was there ever a time when he was a sexy... Robert De Niro's waiting, talking Italian. Like, as far as I can tell, the sort of... The height of his physical attributes was him, like, buffed and shirtless in Taxi Driver. But, I mean, you wouldn't be confusing him for... You know, um, look, this is this
1: is uh, as here. you said the pre-irony decade, Tom. <laughs> so I assume it's completely serious. <laughs> People have seen him in what? What would De Niro have been in in '86? Are we talked. We Raging Bull was a bit before. That was very early. Yeah, 80s, well, it? Taxi like sort
2: Drivers of,
1: sort of '70s. So look, anyway, maybe he was a sex symbol for these guys. But yeah, so it's it's a, it's an odd song, but um, certainly quite good. One of the members actually, so it's interesting because um, obviously this is a great song, but then subsequent to this, they went on to release um, Love in the First Degree, um, sure. which was a huge song. And one of the members of the band, um, uh, I, can, I can't I can say her name, I've never been able to pronounce it, Siobhan Fahi. That's Siobhan. Siobhan. Is that Siobhan?
2: That's Irish Siobhan. Fuck. Yeah, that's how that's has Like an absolute <laughs> dickhead now.
1: <laughs> Siobhan. See, so, no, so so I'm just like, yeah. You learn something. I, yeah. So anyway, so... Everyone sees Quinoa a few times yeah,
2: before they realise
1: so, so anyway, she quit the group because she didn't like the sort of pure pop direction um, that the band mm. was going and missed their sort of edgier songs from the past. So she left the group to form the far edgier Shakespeare's Sister.
2: Oh, really? Yeah. Ah.
1: Who uh <laughs>
2: They had that one hit. What did they have? Stay. Stay, yes. Which is... Um... Named after a Smiths song they yeah. were too. Yeah, so I don't know whether... Yeah, absolutely, that's correct. But
1: I don't know whether Shakespeare's I... sister are edgier than um, Bananarama.
2: Might be artier. But I have to say, like looking at this, I did not... As a young person, I and from their name, I think, too... And the fact that they did like a comedy sketch yeah. with um, French and Saunders, so I kind of just assumed that they were a sort of slightly getting older girl band. But they were actually much more interesting than Absolutely. and their origin stuff, as you have sort of discussed. They had, they're in the Guinness Book of Records for most chart entries by an all-female pop group. Really? Wow. For all-female group. From 82 to 2009, they had 28 singles reached the top of the UK charts, just in the UK. That's wow. not counting any other countries like Australia here, seven weeks in a row. Like, yeah, so they were they were big, you know. they. That's did pretty well. big. That's
1: huge. Um,
2: look, it,
1: I've had a look in the Victorian Crimes Act and it doesn't seem to mention anything about being <laughs> guilty of love in the first degree. So I think we're safe here, Tom. <laughs> I wasn't quite sure. I was quite concerned that um, I would be charged and convicted and sent to prison you know, of being in love in the first degree, but it turns out that um, we're fine, so it must just be a British thing. Um, so that's positive. And 1988 episode of, well, one of my favourite shows of all time, Full House, Tom, um, the episode, <laughs> oh, but seriously, folks, um, DJ Tanner and the next-door neighbour, Kimmy Gibbler, are influenced by Banana Rama to start a band and attempt to learn the song Venus.
0: Mm, so mm.
1: every television show in the 80s had the hey, let's start a band episode. Yeah. Um, so it's good to see that. In Full House, DJ
2: and Kimmy went for a Banana rama inspired group. Could have been a lot worse. Could have been Kokomo. Could have been Kokomo. Or like most 80s sitcoms, some boring shit from the 50s that the people who wrote it listened to when le- they were yeah. teenagers.
1: Look, at least... So the episode was 88 and they chose a song that at that stage was two years old, so I think mm, that's Or good.
2: another way to look at it would be 20 years old, seeing as it was written in 1969. Yeah, that's absolutely And it's right. some weird sort of second... English as second language sort of obviously LSD-inspired thing about the God of Love, Venus... Her yeah. weapons were her crystal eyes, making every man mad, black as the dark night she was, got what no one else had, wow, exclamation mark. Not enough lyrics these days have wow, exclamation mark. <laughs> wow. You know?
1: Absolutely not at all. Anyway, I so, like that song. Oh, it's, I think it's pretty good. Definitely. So, yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah, if, if you're making a sitcom, you can do worse and have the characters learn that song, I think, in Australia. Um, in Kingswood Country, they had the characters learn Ostentatious as <laughs> Australiana, which didn't go down too well at all, I don't think. So, so there's a couple of references understand. that no one will understand whatsoever unless you're over the age of fifty. So there we go. And Australian. And Australian. So there we go. Um one point eight mil for Banana Rama, good times and forty one cents. You can pick Hi. that up from Discogs, pretty good. Seven weeks well done good times um, check out Shakespeare's Sister as well <laughs> sure, just, why not why
2: not, why not? <laughs> up next and look up the original oh yeah that. I think the original's actually better it's for a 1969 song it's surprisingly well recorded it yeah. sounds it was some famous recording dude of the day like and he did a really good job
1: oh look Shocking Blue are definitely the best Dutch band I'm going to go and say <laughs> that by far um, okay, up next Plenty of Dutch DJs that have probably remixed <laughs> You know Tool. Like, yeah, choir boys song into some sort of bullshit dance thing But anyway, it's all good um, Up next, yeah 3rd of November for 7 weeks again Goodness me big chunks this year Huge oh. chunks, yeah Is um, Whoa, this is a big one for Australians <laughs> uh, John Farnham, You're the Voice
2: Wow I mean, this is, yeah Like, what can I say? if you're not in Australia you probably don't know this song no this is
1: this is absolutely massive um, song for John Farnham Um, look people that don't know John Farnham let's just say 20 (laughs) years prior to this he was like a was it 20 years or more
2: even yeah. more, yeah. yeah. Early. This was early. Well, this is mid eighties. So then he probably, continued on into the sort of early nineties. So
1: he was he was going as a young person in like the sixties. Yeah, yeah like white early sixties. He was known as Johnny Farnham So sort of like a young did a bunch like of a Cliff old, Richard, a he, young like boy exactly. songstress,
2: pop songstress for sure. Yeah, you know.
1: So he did that for a while, um, you know, and then he sort of, I guess you know, probably for all the 60s, I think in some of the 70s and probably a bit of in and out of favour. He joined the Little River Band for a while and I don't think that was going super well. had a mullet. He opened a restaurant on Burke Street in Melbourne, which was a failure. Lost a lot of money there. Um, So a lot of hits and misses and apparently at this stage in his career, he'd sold his house because he had no money, was renting, um, living in rented accommodation in Baleen, which Mm. is... um, for anyone knows, not it's not central <laughs> Melbourne. It's sort of a long okay. way, sort of away. I've
2: never even heard um,
1: of it. And he had to sell his car as well, so he basically okay. sold all of his assets, had nothing left, living so in this. And then this was effectively his last chance I guess to say he, he'd had the last he'd quit, the quit Little River Band the money because I don't think he'd written any or many of his own songs in the past so that all the mm. songwriting credits were going away I think by this stage he was seen as like oh there's that, that sort of teenage yes. entertainer guy from the 60s he's like 35 now and no one yeah. gives a shit about again
2: his. that's kind of what happened with Cliff Richard too yep. like then he had a couple of yeah, yeah 80s hits that just brought him back to life suddenly yeah. he had a second a second chapter
1: so he released this song. It was a really big hit. Um, oh, I think one of the Woods, probably one of the biggest yeah, Australian hits of definitely yes. the 80s, if not of all time. Sold a lot. This put him on the map again. Released an album called Whispering Jack, which I think is one of the bigger selling Australian albums of the 80s as well, if not of all time. Um, so yeah, really, really did the trick. Now, personally... Look, we all know that his three best songs are on the Rad soundtrack, the BMX um, <laughs> film from 1986, Break the Ice, Thunder in Your Heart, and Without You, the love theme from Rad. And we all know that after that, followed by Running for Love from the Fletch soundtrack, we know that's probably his fourth best song, Justice for One and Innocence Hearts from the Savage Se- Street soundtrack, My World is <laughs> Empty Without You from the Voyage of the Rock Alien soundtrack, and Love is Just the Way It Goes from the Slugger's Wife soundtrack, but this is definitely a close night.
2: <laughs> is. For a night. Did a lot of
1: soundtrack work there.
2: Yes. I think what happened with this is that, like, yeah, just in case, like, if you haven't heard this, you know, look it up. Uh, people, the only way I could think of that anyone, in, like, in overseas might have heard this is that it also features in the film Hot Rod, Oof. in which they use it very famously. It's that scene where they walk down the street and it's this anthemic call to action, and people flood out of their houses and follow them down the street, and then it turns into like a full scale riot, and then just looting and cars <laughs> on fire and stuff. The joke being that it is so ridiculously overblown and anthemic by the standards of. Yeah. 2010 but listening to this in 1906 this is exactly what people wanted for every single movie that came oh, out absolutely. that wasn't like even including you know boring rom-coms needed to have one giant power ballad so that's what clearly what's happened there is that immediately people have people even overseas who haven't listened to you know aren't expecting to hear on the radio have just going we need this guy to do our cheesy yeah uh, BMX movie soundtrack you know where every song is about taking on the world fighting till the end you know (laughs) running to the top of some stairs sticking your fist up you know etc so yeah, I mean absolutely. I can't argue with that. And they work. Like I'd like you see, I mean, I know you're taking the piss, but the song's out of rad, like I could not think of a better soundtrack for a movie about riding your BMX, you know, and winning the competition oh, and beating the evil land developers or whatever the fuck. Look, um, <laughs> I have a
1: relatively sizable vinyl collection and I'm not afraid to admit that I paid way over the odds for a rad soundtrack on vinyl, so um, that completely fits my image of what you're <laughs> it, <like> cost, <laughs> it cost way too much money, uh, what one would consider to be a reasonable. Well song, these are
2: not big things. Nah, like this no, isn't absolutely. like the karate kid soundtrack where you know yeah. there'd be tens of thousands yeah. floating like, around like I, I
1: was joking, but Rad the film, I have seen that in excess of a hundred times <laughs> when I was a kid um, and would stay at my grandmother's house. There was a copy of Rad on VHS and a copy of, um, I think it was Mary Poppins and The Labyrinth uh, with David Bowie. So my sister would demand to watch either The Labyrinth, which is, I think, by itself a fine film, um, or Mary Poppins, and I would demand to watch Rad. (laughs) So every time I stayed there for decades, I just watched, even to, I'm I'm 48 and I did it last time. No, I'm not really. As your
2: sister and you were reaching towards, you know the VHS, the teetering pile of three VHS types, you know, and it was, would you say that there was thunder in your heart and everything was was like (laughs) lightning as you shoved your sister out of the way to grab the VHS Absolutely.
1: (laughs) Watch the video clip for that. I think it's on Ray. Uh, They may, yeah, there's one on YouTube. They may one that includes footage from the film. So it's good. But yeah, so as, as you said, like very anthemic people use that um, in that film and people today use it in real life as well, whether you're protesting (laughs) against climate change or being forced to wear a mask at a shopping centre during a COVID lockdown, <laughs> people have been using this song um, for yes, all kinds of things, Absolutely, the far left and the far right, so <laughs> definitely, um, for those that are unfamiliar, I think there was recently... Um, a protest at a shopping centre here in Melbourne where people started singing this.
2: Oh, my God, Um, really?
1: Yeah. Yes, which goes to
2: show that we have our own... And I think John Farnham
1: has said that he's very uh, (laughs) unenthused by people using this song, which is really about... Yeah, it's it's just meant to be an uplifting sort of song about, look, we're all someone's daughter or someone's son, so how long can
2: we look at each other down the barrel of a gun? I mean, speaking of, yeah, like, I mean, you don't really need to highlight these lyrics because, no. as you've said, you aren't allowed to return to Australia on an overseas flight unless you can recite this case san and You Shook Me All Night Long anyway. So every <laughs> Australian already knows the lyrics. But they're not written by him, the lyrics, and yep. they're sort of fairly generic. We've got to do something vaguely positive about maybe war and that sort of 80s style lyrics. Yep. The only weird thing i found is the first three lines. Uh, I'd never thought of it really, but... We have the chance to turn the pages over. We can write what we want to write. Okay. You know, next we can generation. erase history if we want to. <laughs> we got to make ends meet before we get much older, which suggests that they don't know what whoever wrote this doesn't know what making's meat means no like that it means sort of i need to borrow money for a savlaki because i don't get paid until friday not yeah. like solve the cold war <laughs> sort of thing so other than that it's just sort of painfully generic we gotta stand up you know and yeah like solve the cold war i guess you know like i prefer instead to have a little look at some of the lesser known lyrics from Innocent Hearts oh, good. featured is in savage, savage Streets, savage streets? Good. Uh, <laughs> which, unless I'm wrong, is about a policewoman who uh, who dresses up as a prostitute to infiltrate a biker gang uh, yes, yep. anyway, some of the lyrics are, black leather <laughs> angels on a midnight ride, tough on the surface, trembling inside, we've got the right to take a stand, we're going to make tonight's demands, nice. which apart from anything else suggests that he may have been going out clubbing with Rob Halford in <laughs> 1986, <laughs> the rest of the thing is no less, <laughs> no less uh, 80s motorbike leather based, you know, <laughs> going to take you to the top, you know. Well,
1: I'm going to watch that film now, Tom. That's got me inspired. Those lyrics have got me <laughs> yeah, pumped up. I think she up. kills I'm a bunch
2: that. of people with a crossbow. I'm oh, thinking. that's
1: pretty good. Awesome.
2: Um, also, weirdly, <laughs> yeah, yeah, here yeah. We go. the bad guy looks a great deal like Fergal Sharky. Does it? But with like a razor blade, Rob Halford style <laughs> razor blade hero. Wow. So I'm guessing there's a sort of, you know, Do we know often, Rob Halford, John Farnham, Savage Streets, you know, cycle Absolutely. going on. It all on.
1: makes sense. Absolutely right. Other than Definitely. that, or I've
2: drunk too much coffee.
1: <laughs> now, um, 1.7 mil listeners for John Farnham on Spotify every month, which I think
2: probably... A, be more.
1: Yeah, that. I guess he's only sort of well-known in he's Australia. He's yeah. yeah. That's, so that's, look, 1.7 million, that's still like, yeah, that's, that's a, you know, of a t- country of 25 million people. Do it's you not reckon, too bad.
2: Do you reckon there'll ever be a... A renaissance of that kind of ridiculously anthemic power ballad stuff.
1: There has to be Tom. There's nothing new under the sun. I've said that everything that's been done has been done. People don't seem to be inventing anything new, it'll so come back, it'll have it? to
2: make a comeback. I suppose it's a bit like the darkness kind of brought that sort of style, but it's more it's more to do with the sort of. Theme song, yeah, charging right. you up stuff.
1: Look, I'm going to start recording my own music and see if I can get it. <laughs> please, get please coming. do. Um, so, yeah, 1.7 mil, 47%, sorry, 47 cents. That's pretty expensive, logs.
2: I'm guessing, because they didn't put many they, in, Yeah, 47 Although, cents. A... Whispering Jack must have sold a oh. packet, even just in Australia. I don't know anyone Several who million, didn't no, have absolutely. a Whispering Jack.
1: Like... Yeah, a couple of mil, I think, which is a lot for an album in Australia. So, um, you want a couple of fun facts? We haven't sure. done a fun fact segment no. Um, Hit me For this So At the start of this song There's a sort of a Yeah That's um, A car door Getting slammed Being sampled <laughs> okay. So they've sampled A car door
2: It stands... <laughs> So they've, it they've, they've closed the door a bunch a little bit, They yeah. have
1: Not John Farham's car though As we mm-hmm. learnt that he sold that um, <laughs> Because he had no money But that's okay To move to a okay.
2: sharehouse in <laughs> Yeah to move to a share house in Berlin. That's making me feel Slightly better about my life Maybe I'll write the next You of the Voice Next year
1: Absolutely. So that's, um, this was uh, the, sorry, the album this came off, Whispering Jack, um, the first Australian made CD released in Australia.
2: Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, so I guess this first, would be
1: the very beginning. This of is the very CD beginning revolution. of sort of CD time. So the very first CD made in Australia and sense. sold in Australia. And what Whisper are you going to press?
2: You're going to press the most popular album of the year Absolutely. In so
1: for, why sure, not? for sure. For um, sure. And anyway, so when when he was making Whispering Jack, um, they would recorded a bunch of songs. Um, there's a, f- a few other hits on this album as well. But they, he received a demo tape um, that had this song on it. So yeah, The demo tape came into the studio. Listen to this. He said, "Oh, this is a this is a hit. This is a once in a lifetime song." So got that. Wrote responded back to the songwriters and said, "Yes, we want to record this." So they got the rights, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, he also got another demo around that time that he was reject that he rejected mm-hmm. that could have gone on this album. Do you know what that demo was, Tom? I'll give you a hint. <laughs> it's a number one song previously in this week's episode.
2: Ah, oh, okay. Before it was recorded by the person who recorded it.
1: Yeah. So, Ooh. John Farnham got the demo, listened to it, went. Oh, no thanks, not for me, rejected it, so someone else recorded it, and it went straight to number one. I'm thinking, touch me, brackets, I want your body, brackets. <laughs> Absolutely. John Farnham could have sung that, it could have been a big hit. No, it was, uh, we built this city on rock and roll. So we built this city on rock and roll, came in, um, and Farnsie went, no dice, not for me, and then Starship took it to its logical conclusion and made it the hit. That it is. It so would have done a job, I
2: reckon.
1: Oh, look, that would have been another, you know, string to the hit bow, I think. Imagine going to see Farnsey and, you know, hearing those three songs off Rad, the song from Savage Streets, the one from Fletch, the one from Slugger's <laughs> Wife. You're the voice um, and Touch of Paradise and Chain Reaction. And then we built the city on rock and roll. I that's mean, what a, that's a, concert, a whole no, concert. Yeah, absolutely, all, it's huge. That's definitely. all you need to Fucking hear. Huge. So there we go. So that's good. Um, anything else, Tom? Were you good on that one? I'm good. That right, was awesome. almost seven us to weeks. The end of the year. Last seven weeks, last yeah. song for the year. Um, yep. This is for seven weeks as well. This is 22nd December. So part of this year, and then another five weeks next year. This is Pseudo Echo, Funky Town.
2: <laughs> <sighs> okay. <laughs> um, Uh, Yeah. In case you're confused, (laughs) I was confused as well because, well, I mean, you can explain if
1: you want. Well, this was a who the fuck does a cover of a song that was a hit like three years ago? I think this was a number one hit in like 1980. Or 81 or 80... Like, a while ago. uh,
2: We didn't... Because we started in
1: 83, but this is... So, this was a number one hit in Australia by... The previous version
2: was by Lips Inc. Yes, yes. Uh, The hilariously named Lips Inc. But it's not just that. It's that... It's done in exactly the same style. Yeah. Like, it's... They're not... (laughs) This is like me doing a a cover of Tones
1: and I, Dance Monkey, today and doing it... Exactly
2: the yes. same and go, it's oh, there not you go, like This is a sensitive acoustic cover no. of that. They sound very, very similar. They have exactly the same lyrics and they're only like three years apart, you know. Yeah, it makes no sense. This is their biggest hit, so you know I would hate to
1: be a band that, you know, once you're past your prime, people go, Oh, you I used yeah, used to be in Pseudo Echo, yeah. Oh yeah, Funky Town, yeah, great song. Yeah, love it. Did you write it? And then you gotta say, No, it's a cover and then you such a fucking dickhead, don't I think you? You write your like own songs. Go,
2: oh, you lip sync. And then you, you have to go, no, we won't. No, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Now they this, had one other hit.
1: Yeah, I think, to be fair, they probably aren't a one- Sorry. Another, I don't know. But, no, they're not.
2: a they're, Like, this would definitely be their only number one, I reckon. Yep. What was it? They probably had oh, another song. Oh, Love and Adventure. Okay. Yeah, I don't know what the anyway. fuck that is. <laughs> no, me.
1: Um, but look, you know, you know this song is good because it did feature in Revenge of the Nerds 2, Nerds in Paradise. <laughs> so only the finest songs made it onto that soundtrack um, look the Funky Town um, is New York City apparently according to the person um, so Stephen uh, Greenberg he wrote the song not he's not in this band obviously mm-hmm. he's in Lip Sync he wrote the song he said Funky Town sort of refers to New York City he called it Funky Town because I think he was from Minneapolis I believe and sort of thought that New York was like hip and happening, exciting. Yep. And in the 80s, when something was exciting and the place to be, you called it the Funky Town, obviously. I mean, it makes as much sense as the Big Apple. Uh, it does, absolutely. So, obviously, so he wrote this song for, for Lip Sync, big hit. Then after that, he he sort of, once he'd left the band, he stayed in the music industry. Um, he became a at r uh, vice president for Mercury Records. Um, and he went on and signed such great acts as the Baja
2: Men. Wow! So, and did you also have another... oh, and Hanson, sorry as well. <laughs> hey, just you Hanson, know, little known, lack oh, never would have heard of Hanson. But don't forget the Baja Men. Look at that resume. Wrote Funky Town.
1: Signed Hanson. Signed the Baja Men, the guys that are behind who let the dogs out. One of the only people who actually knows who did let the dogs out. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. He knows. This is a guy who knows music. He can't deny that. You can't. I mean, you know. And he found the way to Funky Town. Absolutely. Not, not a lot of people know exactly where it is. I do. It's New York City. Um, everyone knows where that is. Check out Google Maps. It'll tell you the fastest route to get there, no matter whether you're located right here in Melbourne Every or... Every time
2: I hear Funky Town now, I am reminded of a friend of mine who... Uh, you would know Sam Reason, possibly. Yep. Uh, he is now an ambulance driver. Yep. And he said that one of the things they do on a slow night if they're driving from one place to another through a city centre and there's lots of... If they see someone who is paralytically drunk or very high or staggering around or flopping in a fountain, they'll just slow down and say, hey, mate, where are you going? You know, they're not the police, but just to see if, you know, just to make sure they're not just about to need an ambulance and have to come back around the block to get them... And he said, they keep a book in the glove box of the best replies that they get when they ask people where they're going. Yep. And he said his favourite was a guy who just went, funky town. <laughs> so, every nice. yeah, time I hear funky town, I think of that... It's not, it's not verbose. It's no. concise. Exactly. He knew where uh, he was going.
1: And it's good to know that when you've had so much drugs and alcohol that, you know, you're, you're unable to function on any level that you can still remember <laughs> either the lip sync or the pseudo-echo... <laughs> ...cover sure. of the popular song, Funky Town, and refer to it. So, you know, that just shows the power of the song. Now, you're familiar with the Eurovision Song Contest, aren't you, Tom? I am, yes. I've heard so, it So, yeah, it's, it's quite popular, obviously. But are you familiar with the World Popular Song Contest? No. Now, this was a contest. It was... Um, so, World Popular Song Festival, also known as the Yamaha Music Festival, which uh, was in Tokyo... And the, the festival ran from 1970 to 1989 and was unofficially known as the Oriental Eurovision. Sure, a name I've never heard of this before until yeah. doing research for, for this um, piece. <laughs> no, that's a new one to me. And uh, so the 18th World Popular Song Festival, um, Funky Town, they won the top prize of $10,000. Pseudo Echo. Um, yeah, sorry, sorry, pseudo echo. Yeah, so I, I call them Funky Town. Well, no, no, so sorry, pseudo echo performing. I think I, I think they were performing Funky Town. Yeah. Anyway, no, sorry, they're performing a different song called Take. On the world. But anyway, okay. so they went to effectively the the, the Asian version of, of Eurovision, yep. um, performed one. the song and won. Yeah, so okay. that was pretty good. But it sounds like, whereas Eurovision um, is limited to countries from Europe and Australia, apparently, can perform in it these yep. days. And I think, uh, you know, like Morocco's in it. I think mean, they're not. Last time I checked, that's not in fucking Europe either. But anyway, that's fine. Azerbaijan, that's not in Europe either. But anyway, don't worry. So yeah, it sounds like this is anyone could go to Tokyo, enter this, um, and do yep. that. So good on them. Um, in case you're thinking, oh, I've never heard of this before, this is just some bullshit. Who gives a shit? Well, I'll tell you how it's performed there. Celine Dion, wow. Brian Adams, uh, Erasure, and Latoya Jackson. Wow. So all the big names. <laughs> and we all know that LaToya and Michael Jackson are the same person, so Michael Jackson actually performed them. Wow. That's so, pretty there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. So big, big guns and yeah, pseudo echo won in uh, that year, the eighteenth year of that. So yeah, on, man, well I might
2: have to look that yeah, up in nineteen eighty eight. So yeah. For sure. Cool. Um anything else for this one? Oh uh, look, lyrically this song's only got about eight words. Yep. The only interesting thing about the entire song, to me, is that they repeatedly ask, won't you take me to a funky town? Mm. You can hear them clearly saying that because they say that 600 times in the song and in the lip sync version. But to me, that implies that there might be other funky Oh, games. it
1: does, yeah. Do
2: you know any ideas? So you've
1: got New York. Oh, look, you've definitely got... I mean, New York is obviously... I think when the person wrote the song, they had New York in mind. But look, you'd have to say that you mentioned San Francisco earlier. So I imagine that would probably be on the list. Bernie, um, Bernie would certainly be on there. Um, I, I mentioned Azerbaijan before. So um, whatever <laughs> the capital of Azerbaijan is, would certainly um, probably feature in that as well. <laughs> Um, I probably should know that, but I don't. Um, Riga, um, Riga, which is um, not the not Azerbaijan. Riga, Las Vegas, um, which is the capital of um, uh, Latvia. So mm, that sounds pretty funky. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, absolutely. So probably all of those, um, sure. and as you said, Bernie, I think well. Not just Bernie, I think probably the whole northwest coast of Tasmania—sort yeah. of Bernie, Devonport, Somerset, Deloraine, um, mm. Olveston, Winyard—probably all of those. <laughs> I think would, say so. would all battle all it the out. All the way for to the west coast,
2: all the funky coast, is that sometimes. Yeah,
1: there? yeah, absolutely right. Sure. So, so
2: I mean, that wraps up the year, really,
1: doesn't it? It does. It does. It does. So no, that's good. Um, look. That's going to pop up for a few weeks at the start of next year, but we can talk about that then if we want. Probably not really. Um, other hits from the year that didn't make it to number one. How will I know by Whitney Houston, which oh, yeah. I mentioned before? That's a big Be one. Himself. Kiss by Prince. Uh, that's one of his. That's that's a, that's a huge one. song. It's yeah. a great song. One Cover of his best. Of Tom Jones, but it's a good yep. one. Simulation by Wawa Knee. Sure. <laughs> Stimulation. Edge of Heaven by Wham. Dancing on the Ceiling by Lionel Richie. Man. Glad we didn't have to cancel that, that was, guy that again. That was as
2: close as it got to a thrash metal party jam. And if you listen to it now, it's just one guy gently plinking away on a synthesizer.
1: Absolutely. Take My Breath Away by Berlin. That's red hot. <laughs> From the fucking Top Gun Top soundtrack. Top Gun soundtrack. Um, stuck. With You by Huey Lewis and the News. Um, you Can Call Me Al by Paul Simon. Oh, yeah. great bass. Lady in Red by Krista Berg. Another Fuckin song me. that
2: is way, way shitter yeah. than the... fucking um, <laughs> Starship. And I'm not even that big no. on Starship, but seriously.
1: Uh, Manic Monday by The Bangles. Ah oh, yeah. Uh, we American Prince? Bananarama. Yeah, That's and we learned The Prince wrote through. that song, I believe. Last so, oh, yeah. week, True Colours by Cyndi Lauper. There's another one. Big hit. Um, goodness me and the biggest Australian hits of the year um, Who Made Who by ACDC and uh, Great Wall by Boom Crash Opera oh, and some other bullshit by Pseudo Echo um, so there you go um, my I, I have a forgotten classic which um, oh, well I don't know whether it really fits the bill because the song that I'm about to mention did come out September of 1985 however it didn't really become popular until I think, 86, and even into 87 when it featured on the soundtrack of of many great films. And I'm, of course, referring to Oh Yeah by Yellow. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, oh, chicka-chicka. So, um, yeah, I you think...
2: Look up how many songs that's featured in, how many oh, films that's featured geez, in. Yeah. It is, you, people might know it as the song from the school bus in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yes, absolutely. Or the song that goes, dee-doo, bow, bow. Chika Chika, <laughs> okay. it's in quite a few movies if I remember I think correctly, which is pretty impressive. Like you know, for a weird sort of semi-experimental, not English language group, this is in. Um, yeah.
1: Oh yeah, featured. Um, it, the Wikipedia are, it English just says Ferris Bueller's Day Off, The Secret of My Success. Ah uh, yes,
2: um, among other films.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it says yeah, it's but you're right. It's in an absolute <laughs> shitload. She's Out of Control, Opportunity Knocks, um, and then, yeah, a bunch of <laughs> other stuff. So I think it's a great song. Still holds up. Um, I don't know where those guys are from. I think I'm going to say they're from Switzerland.
2: Oh, it's in... Uh, there's Always Zurich. Sunny in Phil- Philadelphia. Always Sunny. <laughs> there you go.
1: So definitely. Yeah.
2: Um, yeah, so... For that's... a weird electro-experimental uh, song from a couple of guys from Zurich, did very well.
1: Significantly better than half the shit that was on this list this year, I would say that's so, Take My Breath sure. Away
2: by Berlin was only in Top Gun.
1: Yeah, I'm starting to doubt that the Australian public know what they're doing, because <laughs> they seem to be buying all the wrong songs. Um, if I could turn back time, if I could find a way, I would certainly be purchasing a lot of copies of that Do you just think, to get under the charts. Do you
2: think songs stay in the charts at number one for as long as they used to? Do you reckon they're...
1: In this day and age, Tom, they I believe they probably stay at number one longer. I have a theory about the reason for that. Um, What's that? <laughs> <laughs> um, so kidding. for example, so for example, um, have, have you listened to that Tones and I dance monkey song yet? No, <laughs> no. I don't even know how to spell it. I'm still not entirely sure what you're actually saying. Tones and I. So it's like t- imagine someone someone's name is Tony and you call them oh, hey, okay. Tones yeah so it's Tones and I but it's just a chick yeah. um and so that's her maybe Tones is the monkey Tone, Tones and I that's her that's her, what what she she's dressed <laughs> up like an old man there oh in my that God. thing okay anyway is that, this the new, um, that was a number Amsterdam one hits? that was a number one song um it was sorry it yeah so it was. Uh, in Australia it uh, sorry it broke the record um, in Australia for the most weeks at number one on the ARIA charts Um, by an
2: Australian artist
1: yep it was um, Dance Monkey holds a record for the longest time at number one across Australian singles charts 24 weeks at number oh one, including 21 weeks in a
2: row. Jesus, so people still love a shit novelty song.
1: Yeah, they do love a shit novelty song. And this wasn't even for charity. Yeah, definitely. So we will get to talk about Dance Monkey in the year 2020 whenever we get up to that. Um, let's just say that um, I never knew that uh, combining scatting with a baby voice would be so popular, but oh, Tones I and I has proven that it can be. But yeah, anyway, so that was. So my theory is, Tom, that. So. In the old days, you had to walk to Sanity um, or Brashes um, or Wheels in the Quadrant or the mm-hmm. CD Center to physically buy the copy. Whereas these days, you just it, it, you press play on a Spotify playlist mm-hmm. and it plays popular songs. If a song gets to number one, I gather that then all the playlists just go, oh, let's add that song on there. That's what people want to hear. Okay. So then you press play on the playlist um, to hear a song that you want to listen to. Then you go take a dump then you do the washing up you go jump in a pool you're not listening to any of these songs but you're still racking up plays so I gather that these popular songs are just racking up millions upon millions of plays that people aren't actively choosing them they're just in a playlist so So despite the
2: fact that nobody's paying for these songs in the conventional sense of actually exchanging money for goods and services they in fact stay at the top longer than they used to absolutely yeah so
1: because streaming counts towards the charts now whereas back the ones that we're doing now back in 86, it's all just physical purchases. So, yeah. so I think that, um, yeah, these to days. To go to
2: a shop and put down Australia, it would have been like 10 hard earned dollars. Yeah, exactly. To get you a copy of Your Voice, try and understand it.
1: Yep. So, so I've got it. That's my theory that, um, they're in there for longer. Um, that's the hypothesis. ...that I'm putting forward Tom... ...we will see whether that is proved to be correct or not... (laughs) ...in just a short 24 weeks... all I'm
2: thinking is... ...that (laughs) I've just remembered that I have heard that fucking song... And I didn't know what it was called because the lyrics are what sounds like a baby gargling in Swedish. Yep. And the only audible voice says Dance Monkey. And I'm glad that we've got another fucking <laughs> 34 years before we have to get to that yeah, one. Yeah, it does
1: suck shit, but um, we'll get to talk about that in 34 <sighs> years. I and mean, so. she's
2: Australian. I can't even blame it on Belgians or whatever. No,
1: exactly right. <laughs> anyway, thanks for listening. Um, and <laughs> uh, some social media bullshit I'll set up one day. See you later. <laughs> See ya.
0: <laughs>